sitting in a bar There's this girl She demands a smoke Hey girl, you're a joke And I say you have no class A wrestling game, right? But you know, like in Magic, you buy the like the card mats. You have like an actual wrestling mat for the. Um. So there's a game. It's called Super Show. It is a card game that involves wrestling, and it is exactly that. It's a card mat that is shaped like Amazing. a ring. Amazing. Yes. There yeah. you have it. You sweet you, man. You should market this. It's man. been done. Yeah. I remember nice. when I reviewed uh, WWE uh, Super Show. I think for 148 apps, which is their card based one before it got ruined. Uh, that that was the like the whole pageantry and uh, gimmick with it is that the cards would move and animate like yeah. competitors and just you just see fucking cards elbow dropping each other with like sharp corners and shit. It was it's, ridiculous. It's like the AEW game now, like where they just like are cutouts that move around. It, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty weak. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to check that one out. But man, speaking of smoke from 2021, I. I really gotta uh, ask you guys: Have you kept up with this like bullshit between uh, Elmo and Zoe and Rocco, like this this sordid affair? I wait, hold I up. Is know, this man. a Sesame Street thing? Yeah, this is people online are, are creating this beef between. Bro, wait, wait, there's no, there's what? no creation here. There's the smoke is there. It's real. Like shit's most certainly stewing. Like I've never seen such fucking murderous rage like emoted from a goddamn muppet that only has like one facial expression and yet it's there like i'm i'm it's team kinda, elmo it's kinda, on it's this kinda, one it's kind of like luigi like just that like i'm a murder you face <laughs> the death stare it's a death stare he's like rock's not even real doesn't even move oh yeah the hell yeah dude no i'm team i'm team elmo on this like for real though like how how are you going to fucking I... like I think it's crazy that Sesame Street is trying to teach children how to be a brat because Elmo's being a fucking brat. Fuck that. No, dude, you know what Elmo's being a brat? Learn how to share. Elmo, learn how to share. You learn that shit in kindergarten. The show is for children. No. How are you going to allow Zoe to fucking straight up gaslight Elmo and tell him that, like, this rock is doing shit it's obviously not doing and building up a trauma complex? Because she's a child. Because she's a child. No, dude. That's what children do. <laughs> Fuck that. No, d- d- shitty kids. That's what shitty kids do. No, I'm Team well, Elmo all the way. That's, uh, okay. I, dude, I'm all for imagination, but at some point when you allow your imagination to uh, trample upon and essentially manipulate the fucking rights and comforts of others, no. No, no, no. There's got to be safe spaces established. At some point, Rocco doesn't take fucking precedence over the real appetite of, like, your fellow peers, your fellow kids, your friends. Fuck that. Like, dude, has Zoe gotten some shit? Rocco ain't gonna be there. Elmo might might reconsider, <laughs> given, like, that Elmo's been done dirty, but Elmo will be there. Elmo's proven it time and time again. But, real talk, he is less patient than I remember. Holy shit, he is kind of being... But I would be mad, too, dude. I'm mad for him. Like, I don't know. Elmo just doesn't know how to talk to people, so his problem is. I, He doesn't know how to talk to people? <laughs> as opposed to the fucking, like, Zoe, who isn't, like, who's literally elevating objects above people? Like, are you hearing yourself? No. Well, okay, I don't want to uh, be a, I'm going to be a bummer for a second. <laughs> oh, 
I hate being a bomber. Okay, but most people don't know. Zoe's supposed to be someone on the spectrum in the show. Oh, I didn't know that. I know. But that's the thing. People are going off. They're going on one. And, yeah, that's her whole thing. But they don't come out and say it because they don't want to, you know what I mean, like, call it out. But they want representation, so they they put someone on there that's on the spectrum. Okay. Okay. I feel you. But, like... I don't know. They're... I mean, everyone's having fun, you know, and it's fine. That's why, you know, like, like people can have their fun. It's fine. But I, I don't want it to devolve into something else where it's like, okay, now we need to, like, have your fun, but, like, let's be careful where we take this just because of the basis of the show or the basis of what the original character is. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I'm, I mean... I'm just, a, it, this is just a PSA. Like, let's have our fun, but let's be careful. Let's, let's not... You know, going to a place where we get in some trouble. As, okay, as a gen, so, as a general internet, you know, <laughs> I I I can stand behind that. But to right, shift right. gears a little bit, because I don't sure. think we've touched the subject yet. There is a Mexican Sesame Street. What is Canadian Sesame Street? Ed, talk to us. Oh, I remember this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, it was it was actually called Canadian Sesame Street for a oh long time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, on, and, on, on, <clears throat> on the head, man. Instead of Spanish stuff, we had French stuff. Mm. That's essentially what it was. But then uh, it, it sort of splintered off, and the the quote-unquote Canadian Sesame Street turned into Sesame Park, I think, is what it was called. You I guys was, upgraded. That wasn't That's my what thing. Happens. That, that <laughs> wasn't my shit. My shit was like Canadian Sesame Street, but like, yeah, it's been a, a long-ass time. <laughs> no, here you are, and like... We're here in the U.S. where, like, we can't get shit straight for nothing, and we don't have, like, the privilege of a healthcare system that does anything. We're we're still fucking, like, peddling a rural street that has had little to no development. I don't even know what city planning is doing with Sesame Street. Fucking Oscar's still in a trash can. Like, you know, it, it, could, it's it could use now. some work. Meanwhile, Canada... Oh. Through, like, natural progression in a government that, that fucking, like, truly invests in the interests of its people. Well, depending has, who has you elevated, ask. Has elevated Sesame Street into fucking Sesame Park. Has made it a national <laughs> landmark. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I, I have Real quick, no can, I, can, can, can I throw a PSA to my PSA? Uh, <laughs> I... I I fucked up. Uh, it's not Zoe. It's Julia. So um, I got my character wrong. So fuck Zoe. Y'all can yeah, have fuck her. Zoe. Okay, so we're <laughs> on Team Elmo. Yeah, right? I, I'm on Team Elmo now. Yes, we're we're back. We're has back, anyone maybe. stopped to think how Rocco feels about all this? No, God damn it, Rocco, no. Rocco is he is a he is a victim. Is what he is because <laughs> of Elmo. Well, actually, no. He's wait, a fuck Zoe. Now. Eyesore. He's he's landscaping. No, I don't stop to uh, think about like what like fucking garnish like my porch. How that feels. No, dude. Like, uh, no. Did you ever have a pet rock? N- no, dude. Like, <laughs> dude. We're in Ohio, man. We don't got much else going on. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, we had pet rocks. We had all that dumb shit. No, I had a. <laughs> I had a creepy crawlers. And shit. I had a creepy crawlers oven that, like, I like have forever singed a uh, scar burn mark on my hands for. That's it. I remember those. Yeah. 
you, your parents love you guys. Crawlers. Uh, well, I got toys. I mean, I, hey man, uh, materialism over like nurture. So, for, like, for you, sure. you tell me. Sure. You tell hey, me. Uh, as a parent, yeah, yeah, I can say that's. <laughs> that's all, that, that, so that you tell me who got the raw end of the deal, dog. On point. On point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, we're in 2022. We're in the 20. We started um, the year off real good. I'm really excited at the direction we're taking this. <laughs> yeah, we're in the we're in the two two twos. It's great. I love it too because it's my it's gonna be my six year anniversary with Val this year. So when you add two and two and two, uh, what do you get six? So fucking like everything symmetrical. We're good. It's a good Bam. feeling. Bam, right there. And then you want to know what happens when we get to 2023? You got two, two, and three. You got seven. So we're getting this fucking boat. You're it, just it, back to back. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's gonna be, it's gonna be our year. It, it's like you know, with all the other bummer shit that, happening. Yeah, that other yeah. thing. Yeah, that other like <laughs> big cloud. Um, Couple things. <clears throat> but we are we are entering the new year with our celebrated tradition of Golden Zonkeys, the Press Pause Radio, a measure of acclaim for Game of the Year. And uh, we, uh, of course, uh, as with all good things, it must change and evolve, adapt in order to uh, improve and, and be better as time goes on. So... We've got a few changes that we're going to go ahead and talk about. But, yeah, if you guys uh, aren't sick of Game of the Year conversations, then fucking strap in. Here's one more. <laughs> yeah, here's another one right for you. Here's one.
2021. Your hosts for this evening, myself, uh, Andrew, who like Yo. man, haven't seen I haven't seen 180s that fucking quick since like God damn, world's scariest police chases. <laughs> you would thought I would have fact checked myself before I started going on one. I yeah, was on a tangent. I was like, "How dare you?" And I was like, "Wait a minute, wrong character." <laughs> Whoops. That's, we don't watch. We don't watch Sesame Street. Uh, we're totally into Bluey now. So I think I've made mention of that before. Mm-hmm. We're still on that Bluey train. It's it's good. Peppa Pig is you know it's okay, but mm-hmm. uh, also spoiler uh, game of the year twenty twenty one. Peppa Pig, <laughs> all Which, three times. Is it on Games Pass? No, no, oh, it is not. Because I kind of want it. Yeah. <laughs> it says- should be. It, dude, uh, a fucking Paw Patrol is like get you some Paw Patrol, Mighty Pups. Let's go. Yeah, um, easy thousand achievement points. I'm sure. Uh, you, I don't know, man. You'd be surprised. Uh, I don't. I don't think like not since Avatar has there been any repeat of uh like such a, <laughs> a fucking low hanging fruit. Uh, for for forbidden. fucking <laughs> now is forbidden. For that, for those chivo collecting, um, and then uh, to my other side, we've got Ed. Uh, you know, grass is always fucking greener where he comes from, and what better way to remind ourselves that than the fact that he's got Sesame Park, a whole like goddamn reservation for like love and and <laughs> and, and nurture and caring. Just, yeah, and, just a better place to be ultimately, bro. Until, like <clears throat> until January when it freezes over. Holy shit. Do you want to know why they center the frame on, like, stoops and porches, like, whenever we watch Sesame Street? Because on either side of the frame, it looks like fucking CSI. That's (laughs) why. Like, Sesame Street is kind of bullshit in the the fact that, like, I don't know. You'd you'd imagine they'd, like, maybe upgrade to a cul-de-sac or a town or some shit. No, but then here here Ed comes in just like, oh, yeah, eventually we got Sesame Park. Like, I don't know. Um, kind of, kind of makes you feel like maybe Big Bird's got a got a seat at the uh prime minister's table. I don't know. I think I think I would have preferred it if they just had like Canadian Sesame Street on like Rue Saint Catherine in uh, friggin' Montreal, <laughs> mm-hmm. just down the way from the strip joint. Yeah. Well, either way, I mean, I think that all 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 three of us can come to an agreement. Fuck Caillou. Um, mm-hmm. and then uh, moving 100%. on. One hundred percent. Yeah, dude. Uh, moving on, we are going to change it up a little bit for this mm-hmm. edition of Golden Zonkey. So, in the last couple of years, we've each collectively done a top five, and then we had a wild card that, if we had some difficulty because of all of our wild and varied tastes in gaming between the three of us, and then uh, we essentially all collectively voted on what we thought would be the game of the year representation that best rep- represented all of our thoughts towards what deserved that uh, that acclaim. And then we would also talk about the uh, three-wheeled Mako of Shame. I think we skipped it just because of the bummerness of uh, 2020, but I think uh, 2021 uh, is, isn't, like, it still was a bummer year, but we, we really think that, some of that should have some attention drawn to it. So, oh man, no, it was it a... was clutch bummer. Come on, yeah, right, right at the end. So, mm-hmm. I think we, yeah. we're going to be fine to uh, do a three wheeled Mako of shame um, call out. Uh, 
And then, uh, yeah, aside from that, that would we would all each collectively have our individual three, but among ourselves, we would then pick a game that would represent what the podcast as a whole believed deserved the title of Game of the Year and would get that Golden Zonkey. So everything this year is largely the same, except we are now reducing our individual picks from five to three. The biggest reason, we're going to talk a little bit more about our honorable mentions, which we also have a little section for, but point blank, it's just for the, just for essentially the, the time constraints involved. Uh, and <clears throat> not only in, in regard to the time, while we have honestly played uh, quite a number of games between what we've reviewed and what we play for funsies, it it's a little difficult to truly invest a considerable amount of time in some of our picks uh, to where we can expand. And even then, I kind of feel as though the last couple of years, among our five that we did pick, there were some that we kind of just obligated to fill the spot more than right. something that we we earnestly chose in recognition of. So, And that honestly, that, that boils down to the fact that all three of us, we do work very extensive full-time jobs. Uh, some of us are family men as well, so there's only and so we much. We all time. have very different tastes in games. That is like, cannot stress that enough. We made Five Nights at Freddy's a game of the year, so like, <laughs> <laughs> we we really gotta tighten this up, you guys. Like Jesus, yeah. But we didn't know at the time. We didn't know, guys. How could you blame? Oh us? well, we. we I mean, Scott Cawthorn at some point was just some dude who was just like, yeah, I made this fun game. And then it just turned into religious propaganda, and then it just went into like wildly different directions. We're like, ooh, Uh-oh. ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, we, Untitled Goose back, Game, actually? Untitled Goose Game, I do not regret. Yeah, I feel okay about that one. Sure. Uh, Animal Crossing, I do not regret. Um, did we? Did the, James? Did James like trick us into doing like a Tomb Raider one year? No, I think we all collect. I I'm I'm for Tomb Raider. We also did Tomb Raider one year. Yes, I still I still feel like James tricked us a little bit though, and he he'll admit that, to it. I think I think he'll yeah. I, oh, of course he would admit to it. Like yeah, so we can lord it over us. That fuck uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I regret um, uh, Super Mario Maker. I you know I I just wish that concept was more like a thing. I guess, but yeah, I mean, I guess like in the grand scope of things, it didn't like. It wasn't like the be all end all that maybe I was hoping. I think what we ended were up just happening is like more out of two. <clears throat> Even then, like the whole concept in general, a lot of a lot of the game hinged on your ability to get through the stages that people were making, and everyone was right. just being a complete dick with their stages. Yeah, yeah, it became a troll. Yeah, and I think that I think that Nintendo also kind of shot itself in the foot. Like that could have been much more of an experience if Nintendo could just make it more user friendly. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, aside from that, too, I think ultimately what, like, really, I think, hurt Mario Maker in the in the long tail of it was that a lot of the enhancements uh, ended up being more cosmetic than mechanical. Uh, and even then, like, some, like everybody's been wanting uh, Doki Doki Panic slash Super Mario Brothers 2 to be one of the themes. And the, like... The, the only thing they can do is include it as a power-up that gave Mario the ability to pick up and carry enemies much way the the vegetable mechanic from that game. And it's just yeah. like, you know, it, 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 it feels like it's supposed to be a game made for, like, it's a game for the people made by the people. 
but it it's only like that i would say and as far as the surface level just because there's so many other things that uh I don't know. It, it it was supposed to be a game that was really test like the limits of creativity with substance over style, and it gradually devolved in the op in the opposite. So, like I don't know how much longer uh, Mario Maker Two will even have as far as uh, how well Nintendo maintains the servers to uh, help curate or share made levels i don't even know how busy or how much traction it's had in the online space as a pair you know compared to other games um i mean they were really quick to put out mario maker 3ds and then that shit got shut down fairly quickly with the wii u because uh, i believe they were sharing servers so it, it's a bummer all around but i i hope that like they can take that concept maybe to uh, i i feel like they were teasing it with zelda with the dungeon crafting mechanic that was introduced in the Link's Awakening remake. But if they do introduce something like that again, it's it's got to be more than like these curse, cursory flourishments and like little cosmetic things that they do. Like people want full-fledged uh fucking tools and and options to really craft a Mario Maker level. At least one that can be more fun than like uh, just flat out like fucking Kaizo knockoff. Um, <laughs> what, what is, a, I, yeah, is that awesome a ring? Segue. Is I that is that, that a, a nice little ringtone, a text tone? Yeah, that was mine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, dude. You're good. I feel like, um, I feel like it's a per perfect uh, segue to like you know what's next. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm invested <clears throat> now. Uh, so <laughs> the the outline will follow as such. I think all three of us are going to collectively share some of our honorable mentions. Uh, mm. as far and it could be anything. It could be games. Could be devs. Could be moments. Uh, and then from there, we are going to do round robin. So to make things a little bit more fluid, instead of one individual going on their three picks at a time at a time, we're going to go ahead and each collectively go around the circle. So uh, I myself, for example, can go over my third pick. Andrew would then go over his third pick, then Ed, and then once we've all collectively finished going over our third pick, we proceed on to the second one and then go on from there. And I think that'll basically keep the conversation more fluid. I, I also noticed that when one of us spends time just breaking down their lists at a time, it, I, I don't know, it doesn't get the flow. It, it may not be as uh, fluid as this approach, so we're going to go mm -hmm. ahead and go with that as well. So without further ado, honorable mentions. So, um, I am. Oh, wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're doing we're doing stuff here. My cat's around. Sorry. <laughs> so your your first response is to reason. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, okay, <laughs> pardon. Excuse me. looking at our honorable mentions and it's kind of funny like essentially what um uh you some of the stuff that uh mine and uh andrew shared yeah uh, we flip-flop a couple 
<laughs> yeah, I find that mm-hmm. I do find that curious. Uh, I didn't get to see some of your honorable mentions, Ed. So why don't we start off with you? Did you have any in mind that you want to bring up other than your selected picks? Um, honorable mentions, eh? Um, I'll let you guys go first while I mull it over. Okay. Yeah. 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 Go for it. So, um, I kind of want to take uh, a curious little stab at one of yours, Andrew. Sure. Um, because you had, well, I mean, I won't take a stab at that one. That might be too soon. Um, let's see here. I should. I apologize. I should have this uh, list better organized. So, okay, Death Loop, because I haven't gotten mm. the chance to um play it yet i did that was one of the new purchases that i got with my playstation oh. 5 oh by the way everybody i have a playstation 5 and it only took food poisoning to get it so yeah oh, <laughs> bonus yeah i guess yeah. i mean it seems a little extreme but okay yeah did you did Desperate i times. did i share that with you guys like what exactly happened i knew you'd picked up one but i didn't know there were so, circumstances to it we we're doing. Uh, I'll I'll try to be like the TLDR version. Uh, we started Chloe Ting again. We're trying to be like really on it. Like even then, like this morning, I had a nice acai bowl. I feel fucking great. The only poison I put in my body right now is a Red Bull, just because I didn't want to you know waste coffee and uh, also save myself from the shits. But anyway, um, so we decided because we were tired and we put an extra big session with Chloe Ting that uh, we get Denny's, uh, just a veggie fit fair. Uh, it was gross. It was not good. Uh, it was hella, like it was not what an omelet was supposed to be. It it felt like they gave us an omelet that fell behind the stove. So it affected me more than Val, and I was awake in the very early, early hours. So like around uh-huh. 5 a.m. And then right, suddenly right. I get a stock alert from Target saying, hey, we got this. And, dude, you'll never guess what happened. I got to move through checkout. I got to do things. My oh, cart didn't man. change. And then cue, like, Five hours later, I got to go to the Target pickup, and the lady handed me, and the lady was handing out, like, like fucking straight up Oprah, just handing out PlayStation 5 boxes to other yeah, people, man. and we're lucky to get in on it. So, yeah, I have one. This thing is fucking unwieldy. It's huge. I'll, I'll have uh, to save my thoughts. And also, yeah, yeah, because fuck that base. That's all I got to say. I, I have mine uh, set horizontally. To oh, okay, my, my, mine's vertical, and it's fucked. Uh, yeah, I the the I think the base works way better horizontally. But uh, my thoughts on a PlayStation Five uh, will carry over to the uh, next cast. But um, they're not too pleasant, and I'm kind of bummed. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Death Loop. So, Death yeah, Loop. Um, I so I love Arcane Studios. Um, and, and I've always enjoyed their games. I didn't play a lot of Prey, but I was really invested in the Dishonored series. Like one of my favorite series but i was never the type of player that i think got the most out of those games i i'm not into stealth like i i really don't like stealth games but i think that dishonored at least gives you so many options to approach it from so many different ways that it is a stealth game i think by by default but you can kind of play around in those systems you can be creative and i mean i've watched people on youtube do insane things in those games and uh I always wish they had a game like that, but maybe a little bit more approachable, a little bit more accessible, and that's exactly what Deathloop is. I mean, with the narrative to match, and the great voice acting, and the great weapons, and the mechanics, and it's really truly a play-your-own-way kind of game. 
Uh, I won't go into spoilers of this too much because the whole point of the game is like the loop in itself and the, you know, using time, uh, it really is integral to the story. So I won't go too much in detail about the story, but I love the voice acting. I love the characters. Each character is very unique, very, I get like weird, like Scott Pilgrim vibes where like each character is its own boss, but like very unique to, to each character. And, uh, I wish yeah. I could talk more okay. about it. Well, no. So I got it, um, and I'm really excited to play it. But unfortunately, someone just on on the uh, internet spoiled, spoiled the big hook. And right. I'm going to be honest, I and, fucking hate the hook, dude. I hate and, this well, hook. And, and I don't know about it. I mean, oh. at, at least if it's, if it's a late game spoiler, I'm not that far. That's why it's okay. an honorable mention because I've, I've been playing a decent amount of it, but I've not gotten to like the real like end game stuff. And I know there's something that happens when you beat the, like the, the, the there's two ways to play it essentially. And one only is unlocked after you've done the first. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's a spoiler, but it's right on the main menu as soon as you boot it up. Um, no, mine's and, narrative. And it, okay. Got you. And it throws you right in. Um, and, and like I said, it's very approachable, you know, you can go in guns blazing. It doesn't really prohibit you from doing that. And Dishonored, I always felt like going on a attack or going aggressive was not the way to do it. And actually in Dishonored, there was always penalties to killing. So it kind of almost deterred you from doing it altogether. This, I, you can really approach it from any different way, but you know, it, it has a lot of things you can play around with, which is, it, it's fun and very forgiving. Like there's a lot of health nearby there's a lot of weapons and ammo nearby like it, it's very much a playground and they just let you go in there and, and do what you want to do there there's challenge to it but i think if you're a little patient you kind of start really getting the the flow of it pretty quick well i mean and i love that you say that it's accessible because that again i i have a lot of the same complaints with um dishonored only because yeah. i i really want to commit to the pacifist way of doing things but right. the game like there's there's a difference between making it challenging and making it nigh impossible and mm-hmm. i feel like there are points especially in early game where i think that honestly counts and and you know you can correct me if i'm wrong or you can trash on my skill but it it almost feels like you have to exploit the game and that it's yes. mostly structured around you having to say basically settle at killing and i always hated that whereas with deathloop deathloop really embraces just the the multiple layers of its mechanic with the loops and uh, essentially ingratiating yourselves with your setting and the designs and what you can do and it instead it plays at that it complements essentially right. the flow of its game even to the point where even if you don't necessarily have the skill it would be forgiving enough to give you options to maybe perhaps explore other things without essentially punishing you or judging you or deterring because again mm, yeah. in, in dishonored like narratively things may not have significantly changed but as far as aesthetically the environment the world and various other garnishes that go into the world building i mean anything that you did that would go outside that would be interpreted as an act of aggression 
especially with what what sort of direction you wanted to go in the moral compass, did affect that. And it it made it shitty if this, this was something that you were actively trying to prevent. So there are little right. factors in there that kind of hurt it where I don't think – I think Deathloop is better structured. It's like they took it, all of the, those lessons. So I, I can see that. Yeah. Well, and, and it's you make a good point because in Deathloop, they don't prohibit you from going and exploring – other places coming back to a place because the good thing about that game is it doesn't feel bad when you die because you know you, you will die but you pick up things you learn things um and, and these are all things that you can go back and uh read back on like i've learned these key points i've learned these things about this person um almost like a detective like like you're really pulling a lot of these parts and using it to build a bigger story and I, I like it because in Dishonored, you know, once you've kind of like, I mean, you first off, you have to basically explore every nook and cranny of an area before you can proceed to the next part. And then once you've proceeded, you're not going back. Like, you have to really dig up everything before you can proceed in the world. This, you can always go back to a part of it. Um, and, and actually, the game itself even kind of forces you to, like, you've already seen everything you need right now. You can go ahead and move on to the next thing, or you can come around and, and just like look around in here. It's fine. Um, so very open in its exploration and, and not very prohibitive in any way. Uh, and like any good roguelike, you, you, you feel like you did something each run. You feel like you accomplished something or, or learned something. And so it's very good at rewarding you for even doing the most like little thing. Like you could die very early on and then come back like, well, I, I did do something like I did accomplish something. So great for me. Like if you can put like a 20 minute, 30 minute play session in, you still feel like you're getting something out of it. So that's why I've enjoyed what I've played of it so far. I do want to dig into it further, but that's kind of like it's blessing and curse, like 20, 30 minute playthrough. I can be like, all right, cool. I did something. But then for some reason, I don't want to sit there and play longer. Like I just want to get like a little like, quick session and then jump off of it i don't want to sit there and like really like grind on it um so i need to get more time in but what i've played so far i've really enjoyed and i think it's deserving of all the praise it's gotten so far this year or i guess in the past year um and i think it's arcane's best game like full stop huh i i and i'm happy to hear that only be, like if anything i'm curious to see how long it will be for uh uh, Xbox owners to get it. I I don't right. know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was being a Bethesda property. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but they that was honored for its exclusivity. Right. But that's the sure. thing. I don't know. And and I guess we won't hamper on this. But in your experience, because I'll, I'll I'll point blank say it right now. Within the last uh, 14, 16 months, in in my honest opinion, uh, the Series X is exponentially easier to obtain than the PlayStation 5. So I feel as though, and even then, just looking at some of my peers, not just within uh, folks who are like more within the uh, the scene and culture like us and, and other friends uh, in, in journal circles and other circles, but like just as far as from a casual lens, uh, I've been able to see people get more involved with uh, Forza with Halo and, and some of the other like big releases from Microsoft on their Series X or Series S than that of those folks who were lucky enough to play like Ratchet and Clank or Demon mm -hmm. Souls or uh, Deathloop and Returnal. 
So in, in everyone's honest opinion, what do you think is easier to get right now? Actually, I kind of want to hear Ed, because uh, if I recall correctly, Ed bought a PlayStation 5 to get Shantae. What? <clears throat> no, Didn't no, you? no. Haven't been able to find a PS5 around here. Oh, okay. But how did you get Shantae? <laughs> uh, we we worked out a, a deal. Uh, mm -hmm. But see, like, like that's the... Dude, if you really examine the thick of it, like, that's insane to me. And, like, even, and it, even then, it sounds like you already had to make an adjustment to the original plan because you could not find one. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to essentially consider, like, how how much of these games did not get their due just because of the fact that they are limited on a console that is not easily attainable. I mean, it's wild to me. It's wild to me that the PS5 is still as hard to get as it is. I think I mean, it's just the just to say you have one, and not even like what what it's yeah. offering. It's just to say you have one. I mean, I I see people like that all the time with a variety of merchandise. Just to say they have one, post the picture of it, and it's like all fine and good. And then you're like, well, now what do I do with it? And it's like it does have the exclusives, but not much else. Yeah, yes, I say I've... that. I say that. I say. I say that owning both. Like, I would honestly like nine times out of ten, I'd say get the Xbox. I think get the we've, Xbox get we've been Game around Pass the. And be done. We've been around the block now for three generations, right here right. at PPR. Okay, at least I have uh, with all of you. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, you were you were in there from the early. Like, you were there since yeah. episode nine. Pre, so. like at the time that I was, uh, I started with Press Pause. I didn't have a PlayStation Three. Mm-hmm. And with each generation, I've said it more and more, and I think I still believe it more and more, that like each generation has less and less for me. I, sure. I, I the the PlayStation Five and the the Xbox Series X or S, they're they're just not on my radar. There, there's nothing about them that draws me in. You know. Right. I've been focusing mm -hmm. on retro almost entirely now, and to an extent, the Switch and the PS4. But yeah, PS5, I can't think of a single game that I want to play on PlayStation 5 that I can't play somewhere else. Right. And you have PC, which is literally the collection is there for almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. There is there's one game, but I imagine at some point it will make its way to Steam and when it does, I will strongly encourage and I'll make my argument for it later, but there's literally one game, Ed I always think of you when I play it. In fact, if anything, I I attribute my skill and progress to your influence. So I'll get to that in in a moment. But I I can totally see that. And like there are some gems for it. I just these games I I love talking about them, but I don't I don't like talking about them from the perspective of we're in this club of privilege almost. And like it, it out of all the generations that you've talked about, because yes, we we're spread across three. This one feels like this is the most exclusive uh, conversation out of the three because it, in some gesture, like what the point of entry that was difficult for the previous generations has always been cost, and then gradually, like people have been able to like make it make do with it. This time, it's just flat out availability, but it's availability going beyond. Like we're looking at launch availability almost 16 to 18 months after release right and it's it's it, definitely it, 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 but it may have been different given the circumstances but probably not far off yeah i would think yeah true enough um, but what what other um 
What so, other uh, honorable mentions do you have for us? Right. So so I won't go into the other one, which is is something that you'll probably speak on in greater detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'll pipe in my my two cents on that you know briefly when you bring it up. Okay. Uh, but you know, going on exclusives and going on PS5, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Didn't get too into this one because at the time when I picked it up, I I want to say something came out like almost right around the same time. Um, but I I really liked it. I I thought that as a game to show someone like the power of the platform and the power mm-hmm. of the system, that is the game to do it. Uh, for me, last year it was Astro. Um, and and this year it was Ratchet and Clank. I just think it performs amazingly well. It's crazy to think that the things that are happening in the game on the screen are are in real time. There's really like minimal load at all, or if it's loading, it's like doing a great job of hiding it. Uh, super colorful, super fun, like something my kids could watch me playing and get super into it. Like I and I, I've I played Ratchet and Clank games in the past, but something about the one just is very vibrant, very like. I don't know. It's just, it's just it, a this nice... one has more charisma, right? Charisma, say. energy. Like it's just a very like relaxing, fun game to play in a time where everything is kind of in the fucking shitter. So like, mm-hmm. just to have something that is kind of bright and colorful and happy uh, was was something I was really excited to experience. And I I just think it really does showcase the the power of the the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and still like that game still sells like retail and even like when it's on sale like sixty seventy bucks. Like it doesn't come down in price really for anything. Oh so, yeah, no, that's another thing I totally forgot about. I that kind of took me aback when I went to grab right. some of the games that uh, they are now retailing at seventy. Felt like and a, a lot of them game. don't come down in price really ever. So no. um, I like that one. I wish I would have played more of it, but I, I gotta say, like something came out. I had to look at my shelf. I know something came out around the exact same time. And I just didn't get a chance to really go back to it, but. Yeah, that's why it got was for it was an early release um, in twenty twenty one, if I remember. Right, I want to say February, maybe March, something around that time, like like first quarter. So Cyber Shadow, Turrican, uh, Ghosts and Goblins, um, fuck man, I know I know what which one you're you're talking about too. I don't know if it was Destiny, like a, an expansion. It was something. We'll mm-hmm. we'll 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 it'll it'll hit us. It might be before. Beyond Beyond Light. Might have come out this year. Now that I think about it, I actually. I don't know. Uh, so I have a few honorable mentions that um, I'll go ahead and try to uh, work through real quick. So um, kind of hurt that I, this wasn't in my list, but only because I think it, I don't want to say half-baked because I think that's too harsh, but I think this game definitely came out of the oven a little sooner than it should have, but it was also, even though that is the case, it was also late. When and honestly, I'm very happy that it was delayed as opposed to like our initial look at it. But uh, Halo Infinite, um, the multiplayer, incredible. I I wish I could put more time to it. And honestly, um, what's keeping me glued to the campaign, aside from the fact that it's a great campaign, is the just the extra stuff that I can get and bring over to the multiplayer for uh, giving me more options to really address and cosmetically uh, design my Spartan. But I. I love the open world dynamic at first. Uh, it is now kind of wearing on me only because it is not as free. Is it like there's still a bit of linearity to it that kind of gets on my nerves? I don't know if you guys saw that clip that I shared a couple days ago where I was able to swing past one of the various gorges and I was able to make it with just precision fucking grapple hooking. Even landing safely on the other side, I still got the timer 
that I need to get back to the battlefield when I was literally in in main world map. And then after that timer, I was killed. I'm like, dude, I don't like I, I have these other side quests that I want to explore. And I I hate the artificial gatekeeping. Like, I, I really do. Just the the just the arbitrary boundaries that, that are put in a place like open world games, though, they may feel a bit formulaic in in essentially how some of them are designed and in, in the activities and objectives that you can do a big hook and why they still do as well as they do is the freedom just being able to fucking like go out there and 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 fucking smash rug shot on any and all of the activities that are readily available to me before I proceed to some of the main objectives it's what I do to essentially give myself an edge to get that advantage and to be honest it it really satisfies that like that completion anxiety that like most of us especially to go into when they take on some of these daunting games and when you kind of do shit like that it it really kills it and as much as i love the terrain for grappling it's amazing like i'm playing the goddamn thing more like spider-man than master chief uh it's a lot of sprawling terrain that is way too rugged for a lot of the uh main vehicles like the warthog and the razorback and, and even the mongoose to where like i I don't know. There, there are definitely like forge paths and then like more level terrain to like work through. But to really get and explore and kind of just make your way, nothing will like hurt your open world experience more than traveling. And like Halo Infinite's almost there. It's there are times where it's amazing to travel through, and there are other times where it feels like a complete waste of time because you you plotted a path and. The game won't even let you do it without a logical explanation other than the fact that I'm like, eh, we don't like that you found a way to get here earlier than we think you should have. So it really kind of hurt my experience overall with uh, the campaign, but I'm still digging it, uh, still playing it, um, but definitely got knocked out. Everything else feels great. The shooting, uh, just raiding camps and and reclaiming uh, fob bases, and, and even then just coming across random banished although i mean it's the covenant i don't know fucking <laughs> even the game even jokes about him like we don't we whatever name you guys fucking have we're, we're, we're still shooting you <laughs> like, yeah um i i do like i don't know a lot of people definitely uh have taken umbrage with uh one of the new main characters which is essentially cortana light the weapon uh and her her cheeriness it kind of does it it is weirdly abrasive to some of the tone, but I I do like that she's a great foil to Chief. Like out of all the games where Chief is finally shown more of his personality as far as John and who the man actually is behind the helmet, I think the banter and the writing and especially the exchanges between the two, the further you go in, have absolutely done an incredible like 343 has done an incredible job in characterizing such an already established character and granted like the guy's meant to be stoic and a man of few words but like given that you're gonna spend way more time with him than you normally would through like the gauntlet of missions that the previous games have i think they did this very well so uh, i'm for it i can't wait for it to get better and uh just improved upon in some of the some of the uh unfortunate glitches that it, the multiplayer and campaign 
uh, still suffer through, but it's been it's been a, a very harrowing and enjoyable experience, uh, and and adapted definitely better to open world than I thought it would. Um, so the other game uh, that I wanted to talk about and it, it, God man, it got fucking controversial honestly for no good goddamn reason uh, was Boyfriend Dungeon. Uh, Boyfriend Dungeon, I'm, I'm gonna, you're gonna notice a trend. Half of my list are like this was the year of roguelites. Uh, Boyfriend Dungeon, however, definitely in terms of juxtaposing something as like is wildly different as a dating simulator to a uh, hack and slash over like over top fucking dungeon crawler with uh, roguelite elements of progression. Um, it does it very well. Almost to the point where uh, I will say um, it's, I don't know, it kind of runs, the, the one one thing that I found that was slightly difficult um, was it ran into the same hitch that I ran into with Hades, where instead of being accustomed to a certain loadout, I became accustomed to a, a certain partner. Uh, and of course, like, what made the situation all the more surreal is that one of the love interests is named after uh, or shares the name of my very real love interest, very real partner and uh, soon to be spouse. So I, of course, definitely had to uh, go there and everything was pretty hunky dory and kind of surreal. Um, just like some of the uh, allegories and, and analogs I can make, which I know is like stupid, but fuck it. Like that's kind of half of the fun is you're supposed to see things that you would uh, want out of a uh, partner in real life. Like that's that's the whole shtick of dating simulators. So, you know, back off, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, really enjoy that. Once you level that partner up, like, I don't know, it's, it's the same sort of thing where I don't like... Um, I don't like dating simulators that kind of encourage you to play the field. Uh, a lot of games with dating mechanics, even like Judgment. Judgment's very much on that. Uh, like a Dragon has a very hilarious like uh, like conclusion, like a resolution to that, because it also encourages that. But it resolves it in a way that I think narratively speaks to the game to its benefit and works out, but also like definitely takes into account the, um, I, I would say, the stigma surrounding it. Um, but I don't know. Boyfriend Dungeon kind of works well to where it doesn't like punish or like it doesn't judge you and it kind of works the polygamy <laughs> into its strengths where everybody dude, everybody's just chill. They just want to get to know you and they also want you to like cut up some demons and some monsters and fucking go dunge. Um, it, that's <laughs> I don't know. I, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, the big controversy behind one of its characters, I like. I'm sorry if that made you feel uncomfortable. Like, and it made some people feel uncomfortable. Unfortunately, these are very real things that we've all encountered, and you're not. No one is forcing you to play something or experience something you're uncomfortable with. Unfortunately, like if they're to create a game that in like introduces a lot of these elements from. A, a pursuit of romance that unfortunately the shitty overbearing and at times even creepy potentially dangerous stalker might get involved we've all kind of encountered that to an extent it sucks and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone but like to I don't know I, I, I don't believe in filtering or diluting something 
if it's honestly not gelling with you, just it doesn't have to gel with you. You don't have to like every game. The game is not bad because it has something you don't like. That's just my two cents. Um, but aside from that, I, I really did enjoy Boyfriend Dungeon. I think it was a nice palate cleanser to the roguelite formula, and it, it does what it does well, but you can definitely peak with it. It also... It sucks, too, because it teases you. It was originally a Kickstarter game, so there's two love interests that you even meet mid-game and you want to, like, get to know, but they're not available to romance, and they work it out narratively to where, like, oh, they're just here visiting, like, for the weekend. They've actually got some, like, summer obligations, <laughs> but they'll be happy, like, but they'll even be like, it was nice to meet you. I hope when I come back to town that we can really get to know each other because they're still working them out to where they're going to be added on DLC. Like, I found that, like quirky and and I almost kind of liked it, but it was a bummer because one of them seemed really cool. Um, so yeah, you have to go back and maybe play it again. Like it yeah. at least gets it's like, hey, like you know, come back. Like um, you know, I think uh, nothing wrong with teasing something, you know. No, but I do like I I do enjoy. It. And then there are things where like I really like the use of a weapon, but the personality behind it sucks. So like well, I don't. Yeah, maybe like in a future update they can like let you change some of that i don't know i don't know how don't the game's know. structured to like can you change the weapon from the well the, that's the whole shtick is the love interests are the weapons right but i mean customizing it somehow i guess maybe yeah you can you do that by building a relationship with them so like you can't even improve mm. them without getting closer but i love that one of the interests is a straight up cat that like you meet and like you just get close to and it's somebody's cat uh who like uses their owner's cell phone to text you to like hang out <laughs> then they're tired. Cool. yeah dude i, I hey, like hey what's up my cat <laughs> yeah oh hey my like cat it. wanted to know if you wanted to hang out it, it it had like a wilford vibe like imagine if it was like wilford like where an owner is just like oh yeah go ahead and spend a really awkward intimate amount of time with my pet i i don't care i'm, I'm gonna go do my job um yeah. so <laughs> like I, I i found it uh pretty neat um and then my last uh honorable mention uh, Returnal, which I am very late to the party. I've actually poop-socked quite a bit of it. Uh, I am planning to do a late-to-the-party feature. Um, I really enjoy this game, but I the only thing that I don't like is some of its pacing feels a little too punishing in, into the, the game's detriment. Also, there are times where like the game doesn't explain itself or the nuances of its gameplay uh, flow very well. Like, for example... Uh, the game's broken up into biodomes, but very much like any other roguelite, where you once you're strong enough to get through an area, you can move on to the next area, and then should something happen, you're sent all the way to the back. So um, there is a mechanic where you can use one of the game's various in-game currencies to purchase a spawn point. Uh, should you uh, die in a scuffle, instead of being set all the way back, you can return from that spawn point. I did this in the first biodome and then ran into issues with the second biodome's boss and was just like, all right, I'll just spawn and head back. Nope, doesn't work that way. So yeah. I wasted that currency for nothing, and the game does nothing to really elaborate that. Like, it, mm -hmm. it kind of works. Like, I get the whole mystique of, like, the right. fact that it, it, like, it, it really builds on the fact that you're on this isolated planet and you're learning essentially all the weird dangers and, and bullshit that in your China like adapt and survive to it. But I feel like there there are things that it can be a little bit more forthcoming about and it's not. And it and it does that to the game it, it at the game's expense. 
as far as the experience of it. But I I am getting to that now, that hook after I don't know how many fucking lives I had to dump into it, where I'm now finding a flow and I'm gradually building. And this is um this is the game I was talking about, Ed, where like if you were to get a PS5, this is one because all of the enemy attack patterns and the way enemies fight you, it's all bullet hell, dude. Like all the like there are literal waves and clusters of projectiles that move slow and are done in wave and, and popcorn shots. It's like a cave shooter, but you're in a third person perspective. And you're done by Housemark, isn't it? Yes. It is. Yeah. Resogun. Yeah. Yeah. So out mm-hmm. of I think all of the big budget AAA titles, if there's any one of them to speak to you in, in regard to uh just embellishing though that that modern day production it's this game i i feel like this is a game that might answer your woes i i would i would bet a significant amount of my reputation and friendship stock <laughs> in our fucking uh 10 year plus friendship like this I, is i think ed would like it if i i, I we don't really talk about other um forms of art i guess other than games and you know obviously ed with you being a composer of music um like are you into sci-fi oh yeah genre yeah okay like like film and and books and stuff like that like sci-fi is kind of like like up your alley oh yeah yeah definitely i i think you have to i think you have to be really into sci-fi um to really get like what's going on and and you're right george like it, it does not really hold your hand in anything at all which is very uh, uh frustrating at times but man it just to like put you in this universe to put you in this world and and just some of the things that you kind of explore and find out like is i don't know it's on par with some some amazing sci-fi that i'm really a big fan of um when spoiler it is on my list uh so i'll probably go into some details of why i think that game was was one of my favorites and it wasn't even the gameplay so much. The gameplay is fine. I love the hook, but mm-hmm. like the story it's telling, the atmosphere. Um, oh yeah, you know, like like that. Just wow, like that. That to me was like the most impressive part of that whole game. It, it just helps that it has the unique approach to it and a hook and and a really tight gameplay. Like all that really factors into it being such a good experience. Oh yeah, dude. The atmosphere. It's it takes part. It definitely takes a. Uh a lot of liberties with some uh, of obvious inspirations like uh, H.R. Geiger, uh, The Thing. I got definitely Thing vibes, like a lot of yeah. those moments. But there, there's so many ways in which they build upon and complement that. Like I, the, yeah, the first area, very much reminiscent of like The Thing meets Alien. And then the second area feels like a direct call out to Dune. And it, it all works really well, but the part that like really enjoy because it builds it, it, it it's also another game that works on a time loop, um, but does it within a, a roguelike constraint is that all of the audio logs and everything you get are your former selves and like basically other attempts that you made and where your memories and it even builds upon like its own pseudoscience of, of how you're blending memories from each failed attempt. But it it also like just the fact that like it becomes this collective thing. I I love avenging other uh, people who have fallen and getting the opportunity to like build upon my resources 
or uh, just at this point, like getting noted. I turned on the notifications just out of curiosity. Yes. And seeing those pop up now lately. <laughs> yeah. And like it's, well, I think now because, you know, PlayStation 5s are a little bit more circulated out in the wild just within the last two weeks. Sony's making good on trying to make sure they can get them more in other people's hands. Um, but yeah, it, I, I definitely, it, it has a one more, it, it does the just one more. Right. And like, I, dude, I've lost two hours, like a two hour run and I like made a lot of progress, but to, just so, and, and like I did it at the second boss where I was so close and I ended up backing too far and fell. I didn't even get shot right. down. I fucking fell and died. And like, normally I'd be like, okay, I'm done. But I wasn't, I, I fucking, I crawled right back out of my ship and went for it again. And like, it really speaks to just how engrossing, like how, how well everything clicks I just wish that, like, I don't know. It, it it reminds me the way it treats, like, everything with, like, subterfuge and mystique. It reminds me of the Souls games. But, like, even the Souls games, to an extent, like, try to. Like, there's an item that, like, you don't even realize is very important and gives you a second chance. It It's never introduced that way. It's just a random pickup that you suddenly come across, and then once you understand what it, what it really does, it becomes one of the most important things that you can grab and equip yourself with. And, like, it has a very Souls vibe to it. So, yeah, that's also, I really wish I can put it, but it, it's definitely one of my favorite games that have come out in 2021. So I, I hand the floor to you, Ed. Well, for my uh, honorable mentions, <clears throat> it's... Um... I got a couple of uh, of studios, actually, well, studios, publishers that um, that I sort of want to bring to light, especially for those that are into retro gaming and arcade gaming. Um, the the Hamster Arcade Archive series has released like a ton of really big time uh, big time games in the shooting sort of space, and even beyond. Um, Games like, you know, Psy uh, Battler, for example, or uh, they're starting to do Namco stuff now. So uh, outside of the Namco Museum, you've got like really good ports of uh, stuff like Sky Kid and Galaga and such. Xevious uh, was released as well. Um, the uh, emulation was a recent release, too. Like they're really doing work. Yeah. They're they're doing some some excellent big big time releases that uh, often never saw a, a home console release, um, and to to have them uh, plucked out of the arcade only sphere because they're becoming more and more difficult to sort of get to and 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 play at, mm -hmm. um, is just really really good stuff. And that they're as affordable as they are, and and they add the the competitive features to them as well, um. Yeah, the Arcade Archive series has, has become not just good, but great, I think, at this point. Um, and there's... The, the games that they've released this year, uh, again, some of them are uh, are more surprising than others. Zexx is one of them, um, for sure. And um, I'm really looking forward to what they might be doing with other other releases in the future. Uh, gives me hope that we'll see uh, a port yet of uh, NMK's uh, Desert War. That's uh, that's a super cool looking shoot 'em up that uh, that not a ton of people uh, know about. And if if we get that, I think I'll be happy with uh, with the series in general. I wouldn't want anything else. I don't think 
outside of maybe of, Desert War coming out, yeah. I kind of wish, like, if anything, and yeah, dude, they're they're definitely doing the fucking the nerds work when it comes to like making these titles more accessible again, oh, yeah. and they've certainly done a better job, in my opinion, than uh, other contemporaries like Johnny's Arcade. Oh, uh, absolutely, or, yeah, that's night and dude, day. Yeah, but even then, like, like okay, Antstream Arcade. Um, which again has gotten better now that like I've improved my um my my bandwidth for streaming. Uh, I recently upgraded, and I have another chance to upgrade sooner as soon as I can uh, pay off some of these other lingering debts from the holidays. Um, they they definitely have a monopoly on some of these like really obscure and weird releases, and gradually Hamster is getting there. Like for a long time. The only way you can get an official method of playing uh, Liquid Kids, the Taito arcade version, not the PC Engine port, mm-hmm. was through Antstream's uh, arcade release. But Hamster recently released it, and it's it goes into effect. Like, I I don't want to take this time to trash on Antstream, but like it's such an amazing concept that does, just doesn't have great uh, execution. And I touch on a lot of that in the Atari video because of the strong uh relationship and and overall um how they have bundled that into the vcs experience um there's a lot of uh various concessions and and just mods done to the emulation to like i i know that the intent is there to kind of curb uh any potential uh events of uh seizures with uh screen effects that could prompt a epileptic attack but i feel as though like liquid kids just got released from hamster recently for the switch and playstation 4 as well and like mm-hmm. just some of the changes that they've made as opposed to like what Antstream's done as you mentioned night and day and like they they've really shown that they know how to adapt and modernize these classic releases into a modern space that really work well and they've introduced so much and if they can only just expand uh, their reach a little bit more, um, I I think they could really like bring us some bangers. Like I would love oh, yeah. to see data eat. Like I would love to see Taito's growl, like the arcade growl, beat him up, but done through Hamster as opposed to like logging it on Antstream. Right, uh, and it could happen because Taito is one of those uh, those early developers that they have a lot of experience with uh, with their uh, their boards and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a bunch of title games have made it over through arcade archives. I think even better than all of that is that they include all of the different region variants. Like uh, yep. for ZXX, for example, um, it has the uh, the Japanese version, the North American version, and also the European version. They all, they all have differences from each other. Uh, um, and you should play ZXX because Orion <laughs> is bullshit. Oh or- my Orius, god, yeah. Orius, sorry, yeah, Orius. It's, it's awful. Uh, yeah. Um, to be to be a hundred percent honest, though, uh, with with ZXX in specific, and I'm sure I'll touch on it if I ever get around to reviewing it. But like, don't buy it now. Uh, there's input delays that they need to iron out. Iron out. It's it's difficult to play. Oh, that's why. I'm yeah. Such a hard time. <laughs> it's not just you. We we've I've tested it, and there's like a noticeable delay just looking at uh, sound versus sound on the arcade stick versus movement on the screen. Yeah, it's it's a very very noticeable input delay, at least on Switch. I'm not sure about PS4, but uh, but I yeah, I buy a majority of the 
arcade releases on Switch just because another big thing is uh, there's a lot of uh, Tate-oriented vertical screen arcade games that are there. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're talking, like, back to, like, I have Donkey Kong. I have Punch-Out. I have uh, Frogger and even, like, Puyan and, like, any other, like, there are so many obscure ones. And with my pvm setup it's incredible just to get it like it's as easy as just docking my switch and then just playing a lot of those games and like that's something like johnny arcade meanwhile can't even fucking get the correct orientation for heavy barrel which is one of my favorite dude all stretched out yep well it's not even that they 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 rotate it the other way (laughs) so yeah (laughs) of course like what so i i totally get it um and i'm i'm all the way there with you it's been a delight I kind of wish I got more of a grip for their uh, release schedule. Yeah, but I'm all for it. Yeah, there's usually one every one, uh, every Thursday. Wow. Yep. Very consistent. Um, a few highlights, uh, obviously. Uh, like I said, ZXX, Um, even though it's got you know uh, gnarly input delay. Uh, Bioship Paladin, Blackheart, uh, Blockhole, Psy Battler, um, Hatch a Mecha Fighter. Haley's uh, was Haley's Comet this year? I'm not sure. Um, there was also another really good one that came out recently. What was it? Um, uh, fucking, I mean, it's on the oh, tip of my tongue. Nova 2001, I think, came out this year. Fucking Dragon Buster. How, like, oh, you're yeah. not going to be able to play Dragon Buster until, like, now, like, previously you'd have to get, like, a goddamn PC F98, like an obscure ass Japanese computer from like the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. to like play this. Or I think it was included in one of the random Namco compilations for the PlayStation, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they're like they're really expanding the reach. And I, if anything, the one thing and like, I kind of wish Sega wasn't so stingy and that they kind of pick up on it. I would like them to expand with Sega to look into all the Sega 16 and 18 boards. To where, like, you know, for, like, you and I, we, we pre-ordered the Astro City Mini, and I, I speak, I love the Astro City Mini. I love it, and I think it's worth you guys, anyone getting it, and the second one is looking, it's shaping up to be awesome, but also, realistically, there's only so many little boxes of machines that we can plug, like, proprietary cables out of and connect for so, like, when, when these games can honestly run in some of the other machines we already have. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, no, dude, I'm I'm all for that. Now the other uh the other publisher that I wanted to touch on was Radalika. Uh they've been doing some neat stuff with uh, Mega Drive releases. Um and other uh, retro consoles as well, uh, Super Famicom for example. Um Cotton 100% and um Glaylancer immediately come to mind. They also did a decent conversion of Genog for the Mega Drive also known as Wings of War. Yeah, is that how that's fucking pronounced? Yeah, believe I, it I was like, Genog. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah. I don't... laughs> Genog is, is how, it, uh, how it's supposed to be pronounced according to the, in the katakana. God, um, what, what is that? That Kung Fury joke? Genadab. <laughs> like, that's all I think of. Uh, they also did uh, Panorama Cotton as well, which is an absurdly expensive Mega Drive game. So they, they made that uh, available through uh, Cotton 100% and Panorama Cotton were both... Uh, co-published by Einan Games. Um, Panorama Cotton, not as good as I had hoped, unfortunately, but it's still good that it's uh, it's being represented. It also had some really gnarly uh, sprite um, address issues. So basically stuff would not load and it wasn't visible, but it would still hit you. So 
I like panorama cotton more than rainbow cotton. Oh yeah, but... no, I can agree with you there. Yeah. But it's but... still not as good as like, you know, cotton reboot. Cotton. Yeah. I Which we'll talk about later. New... Hint hint wink wink. Yeah. <laughs> that new cotton rock and roll game that came out. I have yet to check that out too. I have it. Oh. Haven't played it. <laughs> but yeah, I got I got the so, one with an Android. So is the life. So yeah. is the life. It's coming, don't worry about it. <laughs> forget about it. We got, we got, yeah, forget right. about it. We got you. Yeah, we got you. It. Got all your right. fan. Uh, so any other uh, honorable mentions that you care to go ahead and share with us before we get into the damn thing? No, I think I think those in specific are the main ones that I wanted to sort of touch on. Specifically the the arcade archives because yeah, again, every single week you're getting some something decent. Right. I'm gonna Man, say I wish game. I wish game room was still around. Yeah, dude. <laughs> fucking. Um. It's been done better, Andrew. Like I'm, I'm gonna I be know, honest. but still, just the like, and one versus one hundred, like just those two things in general, like just I, I man, okay. I yeah, think it's right. it's just it's just weird too, because like I just need to move on. I just need to move on. I'm living in the past. Man. You're gonna, dude. I'll get you Sunset Riders. I will get it to you somehow. I'll fucking figure oh, it out. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Shit, we never I, that's, got that's it. That's what you, yeah, fuckers. Never it's not, dude. It. It's not even on Mister yet. Like Konami boards are just fucking weird, dude. Like I guess the only way you can do it is just get a pie. Buy, but, buy like, Konami. Hold up. <laughs> Su- Sunset Riders was done by Hamster. Was it? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I. I I'm. Uh, is it on Switch because I think it's in my wish list. Seven bucks and it's yours. Like. All right, yeah, everybody, buy yeah, Andrew. Okay. Buy him. Buy it three <laughs> times for him. <laughs> like, just send it over to him to the point where like. Why don't we do all these games, man? We always got like, copies of, yeah. Well, there you go. There we go. We we've solved a a decades long dilemma. Fucking Dude, game it's room. Been a minute. Game room. Right yeah, and I think Goimon, Goimon is uh, also on Hamster. So there we go. F- there you go, man. Fuck it. You don't get the chance to like walk around in a virtual arcade and pick something, but you've got a me. Right. So I you know. Just use your <laughs> right. imagination. I, um, I don't have to be sad anymore. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into our picks. So I think we're going to all start off with round round three. Oh, man, I need to sort these now. Um, no, you didn't sort them. You just picked three. <laughs> I picked three, thinking that I would eventually, like in my head, know which one was number one. But now we're <laughs> talk about games. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so I know for sure. I I can go with my first one. I'll go with this as number three. Okay, because it's not my number. It's not my number one. But I was very into this game, and I reviewed it for the site. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive. So this year, not a lot in the fighting game scene. Like I think there was betas of some games that haven't come out yet like king of fighters um you know there was dlc and there was you know a a, a community of people playing like the nicktoons fighting game or everyone's still playing smash and we're getting all the dlc characters but fighting games in the past year just there wasn't really much there in my opinion Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe some indie stuff but man guilty gear like 
I like those games, but I've never been very good at them. This is the first one where I actually felt like I could hold my own at least a little bit. Like it was a little bit more forgiving, a little bit like uh, the tutorials made more sense. I think they approached it from a more casual perspective, which I know some of the hardcore probably didn't appreciate that. But I mean, for someone getting into the game, I think it was definitely a necessary thing to do. Um, man, but it looks, I mean, outstanding. Like uh, it's a PS5 release, but uh, that game just moves and, and animates in a way that doesn't even seem real. Like, it doesn't seem like it's even possible. That that game is absolutely gorgeous. I think, no, and I, I can agree with you because I, I felt like at some point from PS2 era and on when Cell Shaded mm. started to uh, take form, that, like, right. this was going to be the closest analog that you can get to representing, like, modern anime visuals. Well, and, and good on them because fighting games then went, of course, into more of the, you know, 3D space. And mm-hmm. it went more to like the realistic graphics and, you know, Nether Realm, what they're doing with graphics and facial animation and, and just all their stuff in general is so like advanced in that scope. But this is like the same kind of. But with know, the Dragon profession. Ball fighters in terms of the spectacle and the right. cinematography, because like. Sure, sure. And, and to be honest, I think it like with Dragon Ball fighters doing the best that it can within that Toriyama art style of Dragon Ball uh, Strive, I mean, really, dude, it's it's fucking pretty. Like, in terms of fighting games that can deliver spectacle, like, it's sure. got this handled, but it does so Man. in such a, like, I don't know. It, you know what it reminds me of when I, like, and Guilty Gear has always kind of done this. Like, that's why I don't think this was very well. It, like, you couldn't, like, Lightning couldn't strike twice with Blast Blue. So, t- t- in my opinion, anyway. So Gilded Gear is still like the king of this, but just that like that frenetic energy of the being able to tactically fight, but also fucking seeing a lot happening on screen at once, uh, definitely gave me. It still does Marvel versus Capcom uh, vibes, but like specifically two right. to the point where Capcom can't even reintroduce or capitalize on that in their more up to date installments. At least not since three and three struggled, uh, Infinite failed. Um, Infinite, Infinite. I, I'll be honest. I think Infinite is a failure in that Marvel didn't really let a lot of its properties shine. But some of those mechanics you're actually seeing now, even in fighting games coming out now. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people slept on that game. Infinite as a like a game with mechanics is actually very strong. But unfortunately, the characters look like ass, and they don't have a lot of a roster to pick from. Yeah, the whole th- the whole strength behind it. I mean, mechanically, yes, it's sound, but we're we're talking about the spectacle, like the charisma. Well, that's something yes. like how do you fuck that up with like this roster? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, like you have like the key to you know having like the best looking and the best like represented characters and roster of all time, and you and you fumble it. Yeah, Whereas like, Guilty it's got Gear. a larger-than-life presentation. And, yeah, Guilty Gear, like, these right. are characters that, like, I have a passing familiarity with, like, right. soul, bad guy, and whatnot, and, and I enjoy and, them. And, and it even flushes out those characters through the story mode and actually brings them into a new light where they, they don't, they're not afraid to take a character that's well-established and kind of do new things with it, mechanically and visually. Like, they, they're not afraid to fuck with their properties, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, and they do a lot of that in the story. They introduce some new characters that are really exciting. Um, 
And it's a shame, too, because I was assuming, and I think we actually kind of alluded to this when the game was coming out, that maybe, like, guest characters or guest DLC character would be something that would be possible. And as of right now, I don't think that's that's happened yet. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the story mode, the only, the only thing I'll say about it that I wasn't a fan of was the story mode. I think it was unique for what it was trying to do, but it ultimately left me scratching my head at the end of it because it's a story mode that is not... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like you can't play it. Like you don't you don't play any of the story mode. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but you don't play the story mode. The story There's mode no, like, basically happens as a natural occurrence. It's just organic. It, it it's just it's just a movie. It's it's basically just like a hour and a half to two hour long animated film that you watch. And and it's not one of those things where like you would like watch it and then a, a match happens or like a fight happens like in nether realm stuff no this is just you're watching it all the way through huh it's uh, very strange but 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 i i guess like breaking it apart into very specific compartments maybe makes it easier for people to like say well i don't really care about the story so i'm just gonna play online or i'm just gonna play you know versus like maybe it's the way it's structured is supposed to be more or, or maybe i don't know maybe they like built in some stuff to where I don't know. May I played a version of it where all the like <laughs> it was only cutscenes, <laughs> like is is like no matches. I don't know. Um, but at least in my experience going through it, that's that's what happened. It was very bizarre, but it didn't hinder the game. It just was interesting that like story was not really a focal point. Whereas fighting games nowadays, I think that like Capcom, for example, like really tried to do a story mode. And, and didn't do a great job, but, like, they knew that was, like, what people wanted in their fighting games. At least most people want, like, a very big story mode in their game. And I think with Guilty Gear, they're just like, eh. Like, it's there, but it's not really part of what we're trying to do here. Um, I don't know. But interesting approach. Uh, I, like I said, I don't think it faults the game at all. I, I'm still really super into it. I haven't really touched it since the review, and there's been a few DLC characters that have come out. Uh, so I wouldn't mind jumping back into it in the new year and see I'll, where it's at now. I'll see if I can pick it up because uh, I have a few other PS5 games that I want to grab now mm-hmm. that I can, and um, yeah, so I'd now. be happy to. Yeah, we'd be happy to fucking get in on it with you. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll make that three because I'm I'm very torn between the other two. So I'm gonna try to like internally debate those right now. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> uh, okay, Ed. What is your number three, my dude? My number three is <clears throat> Darius Cosmic Revelation for Switch and PlayStation 4. Um, leaning on Switch, though, because it offers a little bit more uh, to the experience. Uh, basically, it's a collection of Darius games that were released um, over the last little bit. Um, it has Darius Burst ACEX Plus and G Darius HD. Um, both of which I actually re- reviewed on uh, Bullet Heaven. So G Darius HD got its own individual release, but you can also get it in this collection. Yes. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no uh, it was so cheap. Darius Burst, um, uh, another Chronicle EX Plus. That's what it was called. Um, we reviewed that in episode. Just trying to find the number here. Episode three eleven. And G Darius HD we hit up in episode three eighteen. 
So they were released uh, fairly close to each other, but both of them are collected in this in this year. This is kind of um, the the limited, uh, or strictly limited games uh, take on it, whereas both were ju- the other two were just released on their own by Einan Games. Um, the thing about the Switch version that makes it a little better is that it actually includes um, Sagaya GB on it. So the Game Boy version of Sagaya, which is kind of like a remix of both. Uh, I think it's just a remix of, of Darius 1. Um, you know, slightly different stage order and such, but uh, generally speaking, it's it's more or less the same. Uh, no branching paths. There's just um, just one route through the whole thing. Uh, but it's definitely a neat take, and it does some neat technical stuff with the original Game Boy hardware. Um, and to have that available with the other two for the price that it was made available for is a really good deal because the Game Boy cartridges are getting up there in price at this point. Um, and to have all three of them would cost, you know, kind of an arm and a leg if you wanted all three on their own. Um, but yeah, uh, Darius Cosmic Revelation does a good job of collecting them all. Um, ACEX Plus has just a ton of different stages in it, like I think thousands, I believe. Um, and you can chip away at the stages with other other players through virtual arcade cabinets. It's a lot like what we saw in Darius Burst um, Chronicle Saviors except it doesn't have the Chronicle Saviors mode, which is its own sort of separate thing. So that's how it differentiates itself. But it does have exclusive, um, um, uh, like, festival and uh, and event stages that were only made available in arcades at a certain point in time, right? And those are not available in CS. So if you want the whole experience, you do need to get both of them. Um but uh, yeah, EX, EX Plus sort of makes itself uh, relevant with those stages specifically. It's pretty cool to finally have those available. Um, Jeterias HD obviously is a, a port, a high definition port of Jeterias, which was on uh, it was in arcades, but also on the PlayStation One. Um, the arcade, I think it was the on arcade Saturn board too, wasn't it? No, no, that one was uh, not on Saturn. The the board was was I think if I'm not mistaken, it was based on PlayStation technology. So that's why it was as close as it was on PlayStation as it was in arcade. Gotcha. Yeah, a little I, bit of different slowdown, but otherwise, uh, it, it's a very good, a very faithful conversion on PlayStation One. So, my question, because I've I've like seen it, and I'm just curious from what I remember, like the big thing, it was the same, like uh, gimmick that Ninja Warriors Arcade had. Like, how well does it recreate the crazy five-screen wide widescreen for the uh, arcade in the collection? Well, actually, uh, G. Darius was a single screen, uh, a single screen game. So, well, no, we're but we're talking about the Cosmic Collection. Oh, uh, no, uh, you're, we're okay. So we're talking about. Um, let's see here. Are we talking about Darius Burst EX uh, ACEX Plus? Because so that was a wide, just... that, that was a wide, it was a 32 to 9 aspect ratio. And basically on console, what that means is that it's heavily letterboxed. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Which okay. is unfortunate. Yes, that's true. But um, the the amount of content, I believe, uh, that, that's featured in it sort of outweighs its technical uh, shortcomings. The real draw here in the Cosmic Revelation collection is definitely G. Darius and Sagaya GB. I think those two are uh, are what makes the the entire thing worth having. 
I'm curious, did you uh, pick up the physical Mega Drive release for Darius from Strictly Limited? The extra, the, uh, what was it, Darius Extra version, I believe it's called? Yeah, I've got it right here. I th That's always been a shoot 'em up that, like, I've been, like, hot and cold with. Like, I just, there are times where, like, I can't stick with it, and then I try, and then there are other times. I, I do, out of all of them, though, I do like G Darius the most, which is why I had to definitely jump on that. Uh, oh, yeah? You didn't like, uh, didn't like Darius Gaiden? Uh... I tried, man. I, I like, tried, and I want th those two are like generally the best received ones. Yeah, that one, it 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 just feels like it exasperated like issued like it, dude. I'm not the great greatest at that like these games. I try <laughs> to be like even in um. Well, I'm not I the greatest really... either. Let's be a hundred percent honest. Mm, no, nah, man, you mm. you got them. You got them skittles. I me skittles. on the other hand, debatable. I. I, I I've recently picked up Mushihimi Sami HD on a pretty good price for the 360, and I'm just like, oh okay, like this is this is neat. Like now I have both of them because like you know I I forgot that there are two different games, and man, I do not like it as much as Futari. It is hard as fuck. Yeah, it is. Uh, I like Futari is just like I I feel like they balance it better and be like, oh yeah, this is like. Pick up and play hard to master. Uh, like Mushihime Sama, like the first one, is just like, oh, pff, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> like, figure Man, it out. Futari is a uh, is a masterclass in what makes a shoot 'em up great, though. I, I think that's like top three for me. I would say. Yeah, I yeah. I really liked Futari, so it was it was kind of weird. Like I I guess I just didn't understand how wide of a gulf uh, Futari came uh, into uh, from. Mushihime Sama, so that only speaks to its quality more. But yeah, I I don't know, man. Darius games, um, and not since uh, without knowing you, I would have always just called them Darius. So fucking, it's I, one I, of I those to... things. Like I I say, like <laughs> say it the way you want. I've had so many people ride my ass for that, but like once you see it, you just can't not unsee it. You know what I'm trying to say? And mm. pff, that's just how it's. That's how it's done like i know how it, i know how the the letters in japanese work so yeah it's it's darius you can i mean there's commercials you can listen to as well they say darius darius yeah, yeah that makes darius sense. um all right so i guess my number three huh go um, for it uh shin megami tensei five and mm -hmm. out of the list even though it's at number three, it is the one I put the most hours into. But kind of have that, to. I mean, they don't have a choice. Yeah. So de yeah. definitely just want to set that aside. Um, I really, I think out of the the established formula that the Tensei games have like really put into themselves in terms of uh, style, attitude, and substance, that this game is a culmination all of that in the best possible way like i i almost feel like they've kind of peaked it just like everything you can think of even like as you mentioned andrew like it takes all aspects that i i think it could have from persona and then just the spin-offs from digital devil saga and and anything else that it's done and even just like some of the main series like strange journey and nocturne and it's really kind of turned that into a uh well-balanced celebration of all of that into essentially really empowering the players just it is such a fucking commitment 
Like yes. I, and I really do enjoy it. But at this point, like I am kind of getting into a grind. My my biggest gripe, honestly, with the game is that I do not feel like it gives you the opportunity to balance out your development without spending some extra money. And I've already talked about this before when what's in your console from previous episodes when I first started uh, diving into it. But even then, um, I I can't help but just like really just throw myself into this world and uh, just get excited at the like appearance of new demons and trying to uh, do what I can. And even just like some of the other again, just like the very like niche little touch-ups that they've done as opposed to previous games and, and just being able to work yourself up. Like, you really develop yourself from the ground up to the point where, like, you're barely hanging with slimes from, like, the first couple of hours to the point where, like, you have now, like, you have full-fledged, like, fucking top-tier demons who are begging for their life, like, so that way, or they're even willing to bribe you. I'm like, here, take some maca. Mm-hmm. Just so, like, like I cannot tell you, like, the immense satisfaction that I had of, of many, like, RPGs within the last couple of years and I've had with just developing and kind of just building and doing my own thing. And even then, like, I, I can tell you that I would probably get ahead much sooner in the game and even probably be done with it had I not uh, played it uh, in this stupid, bizarre way. Um, but I can't, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't help but like uh, go about it in in the way I want to, and to to the effect and in to the credit of the game, it giving you the uh, freedom to an extent to kind of explore and play it that way is refreshing. Like I decided, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. I am doing a uh, fucking virtual boy inspired Jack Bros team. So. My my demon troop is fucking Jack Frost, uh, and uh, also uh, Jack the Ripper, who is no longer Jack the Ripper. Now he is Jack O'Lantern, and then finally Black Frost, because he is the closest um, analog to Jack Skellington, who is not in the game in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately. Um, so we've just been fucking tearing it up and seeing some familiar faces, and going through, I've, I've really just enjoyed building and fusing and uh, just overall expanding and collecting all there is for, like, the, the demon lore and, and, and catalog. Like, it's it's essentially become one of my favorite, like, Pokemon games that, that isn't necessarily Pokemon, but, like, just going about it and, and doing what I can. I also really enjoy, like, the quality of life improvements. So, um, in previous games, like there were very narrow opportunities to negotiate or or recruit various demons. If not only you didn't meet specific conditions, but if you didn't have the room for it, or if they took up more resources than you were able to uh, initially realize, which sometimes happens because like I have my garrison with like 16 slots, but I'm not, I didn't realize that I have some previous slots already filled up that I was working on. So I really enjoy the, because I don't believe you were able to do this in previous entries where if you did win over a demon and they couldn't join you, you get one chance to like come back to them after you freed up your, your garrison to bring them on. Now, if you fuck up that one chance and they're like, there's still no room, then you'd have to start a negotiation all over with a new encounter. But like little 
little quality of life improvements like that. Like this is definitely the most well-oiled and balanced of them. And uh, even then, like as far as the, the overall style and vibe and the art, the art style that they've kind of mishmashed between like I, between Shimigami's more like pointed and very sharp aesthetic to uh, I would say the like, almost shonen look that like persona has like that fucking i wouldn't say shonen i would say like mm. Mm, like that like harem style that you would associate mm. with uh like newer slice of life animes like that that juxtaposition between the both of them it, it I really say also it very much takes from if you played it the uh, 3ds game apocalypse in my yeah. opinion like very much so like almost to like the point where like it feels like a successor to that in some ways to me. I, I honestly, I didn't get the chance to play apocalypse. Uh, the only, <laughs> the only two that come to mind are strange journey and nocturne. Strange um, journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, I would say like for what's already a fairly niche and like uh, it, a game that doesn't, uh, already like it has a, a rabid fan base but ne- nothing to like the caliber of like say a pokemon um i really enjoyed it especially playing it back to back with a uh, brilliant diamond shining pearl because mm-hmm. the quality of life improvements in those games actually felt intrusive um the biggest one being that the experience share like something that i appreciate that you can have and has been more accommodating is now like you can't turn it off. It is always on. So if you ever wanted to specifically develop or like nurture a specific poke, you have to empty your entire party and only have that Pokemon, which I ran into when I wanted Garchomp, but I also wanted to catch Garchomp up to my previous party choices. So that actually extended my playtime, and I didn't appreciate that. Another factor that would have made it much easier is that the daycare... And this is the stupidest fucking thing, and I hope it never comes back in any subsequent Pokemon releases. Uh, the daycare in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is specifically only for breeding. It is no longer an area where you can quickly level up Pokemon, where you take steps and each step can earn experience points. That shit doesn't happen at all now. Now it's just for the purpose of breeding, which is fucking stupid. Stu- like, it would have. Like, it, it, it's just mind boggling some of these decisions that were made, but, like, where I get it and that Pokemon's definitely playing to a different crowd. It was nice to kind of see like where Shimigami takes some of those uh, like familiar mechanics for essentially monster raising and uh, definitely twist it up in, in a way that, that still evokes that Shimigami Tensei flavor. So uh, I definitely recommend it as the best Pokemon game that came out in 2021. <laughs> <So>. I, <laughs> I, just, I just really feel like it was like, uh, a make good and it's the Nintendo exclusive that I think we should have got when they made Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE because I don't think that was you know what I mean like oh yeah that 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 because you know that was like the game that I was like super hyped about because it was a Nintendo exclusive this is like unique thing um and I don't think it really panned out to the way it should have so I'm really happy that this is doing so well on the Switch it just um it's great to have it portable it's great to have it with you I mean same reason why I played uh Golden so much. You know, on my Vita, it was just like the perfect excuse to have it with you at all times and just, you know, jump in and grind. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good fit, it's a good platform to be on. And 
a little bit challenge, but you know, still, I think for a lot of people, if it's their introduction, like there's no better way to learn, I guess. <laughs> the dark souls I, of Pokemon. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, hey, dude, absolutely. I would agree in it, but like yeah. in a good. I mean, I don't know. We're two weeks away from the dark souls of Pokemon, supposedly. So. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll we'll oh, figure that. Right, out. That is out soon. Ooh. Yeah, it's out real soon. So and no we'll, one's really we'll, talking about it, so, you know. No, because I think people have forgotten. It's, it just, like, it had its moment, and then, like, I don't know. Like, that's the one thing. I like, just got overshadowed by, you know, the other It got overshadowed by a out. lot of the fucking negativity. Because I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. honest, like, I don't, like, Pokemon's kind of become like football now, where I don't like talking about it with other I, players. I really liked I really liked Unite when it came out. So, I, I mean, I think, I think there's... Something to be said of like a Pokemon game that's not a traditional Pokemon game. Like oh, yeah, it definitely absolutely. has a space, and it can be something to get super excited about. But I think it has to prove itself first. I don't think you can I, go on just the hype. You right. really have to get into it first. Yeah, I want to get more into Unite so I can catch up and also play that with you. But I really do enjoy Unite. I, like, I I haven't touched it in a in a minute. But when it was first out, I was oh same. yeah shit. I, I played a fuck ton of that game. Wow. Go has still been the only consistent Pokemon outlet for me, and even then, sure. like it has its moments, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude, like, just the negativity around Sword and Shield really killed a lot of the buzz for me. Like, I, and I love Sword and Shield. I still think that's, like, it's been the best game since fucking X and Y. Like, I, I don't know how Sun and Moon gets a lot of the accolades that it does, because I, I personally think that Sun and Moon is very obnoxious and kind of a, a, a step in the wrong direction, but I feel like there was a great course correction with Sword and Shield, and like people wanted to fixate on the stupidest shit. They're doing that right now with Arceus. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's my number three. So we're on to number two. So number two. Number two. Okay. All right. Do you want me to go since it's top of the order? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've come to my decision, I think, and um, I'm gonna say number two is Returnal. Mm. Um. So and we kind of talked about briefly with your uh. Your honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. And so I think what really drew me to this game was the way they create this world. And they use a lot of sci-fi tropes that I've come to really like um, and, and, and mixed it with this, you know, I don't remember. I'm trying to gather my memories. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and I never got discouraged by dying. And I think that's the true sign of like a really good roguelike experience is that it never felt like I was punished for dying. I never felt like it was unfair that I died. Uh, yours is an exception. I think your your boss battle, I would say, was unfair. Um, but in my experience, I, I never had that where I was like, well, I, I, I went and explored a little too deep. I got a little too careless. But I always felt like I you know still brought back something with me or, or enjoyed the experience. And... Um, just that world it's creating and, and and the enemies and the exploration felt very much like I was a part of that world. Like I was, you know, oh, almost I... like my, my own version of like a treasure hunter or an archaeologist, like uncovering the clues, finding out the mysteries, uh, piecing together this history. And, and like I said, with sci-fi tropes, um, it really gives me um, a lot of similarities to a movie I watched called Annihilation. Mm-hmm. It's a Natalie Portman sci-fi. Um, I think it's made by the same people that made uh, Ex Machina, and okay. it just like it, it's like it's piecing together a story, but you're not sure where all the parts fit. 
And so as you're going through and progressing, you start to see them start to come together. And it's just, I don't know, just the way it does narrative without really saying a whole lot or doing a whole lot, I have to super commend them on because it was so gripping and, and really kept me, it really kept me engaged the, the whole time. Um, it still does. And, I'm still and, thinking and, about it. Oh, still. Yeah. And that's, and you know, and that's, that's a good way to put it. Like it's one of those games when you're still thinking about it and still focusing on it. Like it, it's doing something like to where you just can't shake it. And for good or bad, like I, I just, and, and it's, I've been uh, removed from it for longer than I would like to, but I really have to, I think, get back into it and play some more and really see it through because I think, I think it's owed me to I, see this through and see what it has to offer at the end of it. So I kind of, and like, that's the thing too, where, um, I, I want to build on a point that I made because it also works almost narratively. Cause while it does explore and introduce all of this intrigue, it it's not an info dump of, at all and it's very much like you're discovering things alongside the main character but right. the narrative actually kind of evoked something just because of the layers and like it's funny that you got vibes with another sci-fi film because when we when we first started talking about it, i mean we all drew on the obvious horror references of sci-fi but there's yes. a lot of mm-hmm. others the big one for me is interstellar like i'm getting so many interstellar vibes just between like the hints that they put in the Celine's background and even then like mm-hmm. some of the trauma that she opens up with as far as like you can hear like a sense of passion that she has for what she's doing and then as you get further you realize that there's this resentment because or an of obsession fact- almost almost an obsession even yeah and, and just doing mm-hmm. so to live up to the hopes of her mom who had mm-hmm. leads a uh, particularly like like this applauded role within like just uh, space exploration and, and the various uh, field, the, that, that career path from like their, her planet and where she uh, comes from. And even then, like you start to learn and cover other things and just it, I mean, as far as from like, like conceptually, just thinking about the fact that you have to explore a planet that you die millions of times of like, like a groundhog's day effect. I mean, right. we all like seen this in various tropes and in other like even especially in games lately with uh, again, there's been a lot of time loop games in the last 12 time months. Stuff. Right. Um, Absolutely. But just the aspect of insanity and then like gradually degrading into just like almost being unfeeling and then like her coming across various versions of herself to where she's horrified at like some of the um just some of the diaries that have been left behind by who is essentially her to the point where she's doubting, is this actually me? Like, is this planet? She like the fact that like it, the narrative uh, role that the planet takes of shifting its environment. She then calls that into question. Like, is it splitting me apart? Am I even like, is this even me anymore? Where, where to even in the game, like actual literal monsters will spawn from, you know, her, her corpse, like where she was, where she was at. Yeah, you know they'll actually like 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 the monsters and, and like that that you know whatever you want to call it the negative the um uh, the severed the unsure the severed it just it just it comes from where she was last laid and that is that is a literal monster rising from that so yeah there's so much like this game really got like a bad rap because like granted it is a lot of investment. To not well, be... it it was it was the controversy with the pausing, the saving, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff, and I, I just, I don't think it need that 
that gimmick, you know? Like, I know it's procedurally generated, uh, you know, roguelike, you, you start over when you die kind of thing, but, like, the, the gimmick of, like, you're, like... And I know the playthrough itself, like, as you play more and play more and play more, eventually a, a playthrough would be quicker. But I, I, just, I don't think that gimmick was necessary, unless maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing... I don't think it was really worth all that all that trouble, and I think it really did hinder it because of it. Uh, I I mean I could see it to be honest. Um, I think what it was is like, had this been like a launch game, maybe or I don't know, maybe it, it, it probably it it, it, it it reminds me of like when Hellblade came out, and they said that the more you died, the more this like thing would infect you, and you would see it on your on your protagonist's body, like going further and further up it her body mm-hmm. to her neck and said if you died enough times it would consume you and take over you and that's game over forever you don't get to play anymore that was a red herring that actually didn't happen that was just them trying to oh yeah it was just eternity darkness it was them in invoking like a sense of dread and stress that didn't even exist that was exactly and i was like well okay like you didn't have to do that the game is plenty enough fuck to like make me stress and and worry like you don't have to do that same thing with this i think it's a it's a it's a gimmick that they wanted to like maybe make a player feel a certain way and it's not necessary so i wish they would just remove it but i think now at this point it's too ingrained in the game i don't think that's even something i, I think they the added do. mechanic of the suspending the cycle would have been necessary it's only do the, the you, biggest do issue you trust do you trust your ps5 to do that I trust it more than fucking putting it in a rest mode. To be honest, yeah, dude. All right, right this fucking thing right, is buggy yeah. as shit. I I right. hate how buggy it is. I the, almost the system, you mean the hardware, right? Yes, like right, yeah. When I was first setting it up, it gave me the option to install a game while it was setting up, so I did that, and I set up Returnal, and then I couldn't boot it up. I kept getting a fucking error message, and I'm like, what? This is a brand new game. I had to uninstall everything that i did reinstall it and then it worked but then there are there are chances where that sometimes doesn't work and that i had to read about i'm like how there's already a catalog and a forum of all these various playstation 5 error codes and i'm like fucking why why is this like in something that's acceptable like this is god forbid you try to play a ps4 game on a ps5 good fucking luck oh dude i haven't even tried that yet i was thinking about it because like I, so, like, I uninstalled Control from my One X, and I installed it into my Series X just to free up not only the room and take advantage of the new room, but also get the uh, Series X benefits just because my Control file completely glitched out. And I swear to God, if I hear one more fucking person sing that goddamn stupid game's praises where I'm like, I, I just want to see it. It's like staring at that, that a hidden picture where everybody's like, oh, I see it. And, like, there's supposed to be a hidden image that pops out, and you're just this frustrated old man who can't fucking <laughs> see it. Um <laughs> So I, I'm I'm at that point. But, yeah, I was thinking about kind of exploring that, too. And everybody just keep continually tells me playing PlayStation 4 games on the 5 is a nightmare. And I'm like, why? It it shouldn't be. I, I, so no, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to explore not. that at some point because my my 4 is tapped. Um, my Pro is tapped. Uh, I'm almost I'm at uh, I'm at 80 gigs left for my Series X. And I have like 33 games installed. So I got to see what I'm working with with the fucking five and see what uh, like some shifting that I can move over. Um, but yeah, man, I, I want to put Returnal higher up on my list. It's just a matter right. of not playing it enough. And then I think Definitely, some of the yeah the intrigue and um, the mystique working against it. 
Right, right. But I think definitely if you're going to go for an exclusive on the PS5 last year, that's that's my pick, 100%. Um, oh, yeah, dude. So, yeah. If there, if we were to do, like, a BuzzFeed, like, article of what modern games can we get to, like, have that enjoy, that game is the number one. I don't know what the other four are yet. We, we you fucking let me get know. back to me. We, yeah, we, we, will, we will we'll parsec this or so, we'll, we'll figure out something. <clears throat> yeah, we'll do BuzzFeed it. on that too, right? Yeah, fucking, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm down for it, but... Uh, speaking of which, um, okay, so Ed, your uh, number two pick. My number looking at here. My number two pick is Cotton Reboot for Switch and PS4. Um, both are identical from a performance standpoint, so uh, they might as well be the same game. Um. I was very surprised at how well they were able to inject uh, a hefty dose of innovation and life into a game that's been around since like 1992. Um, because of the uh, the added inputs that are available on the Switch and the PlayStation 4, you can do a lot more uh, with the abilities that Cotton has available to her. And they also add a really addictive scoring system to the mix as well, which is pretty great. Um, it also includes the uh, X68K version of the game as well. So like uh, the Sharp X68K uh, was a computer in Japan that uh, it's got a, a decent following, but the hardware is super kind of, it's, it's kind of rare, hard to get a, a hold of working um, and kind of expensive as a result as well. Um, they, they actually made the 68K uh, or a, a version for 68K, like within the last like two years, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Beep, yeah. Beep is still doing reproductions and man, I, it's one of those like, oh, like as far as a white whale of incorporating a 68,000 into my setup, just and for like the stupidest shit, like the song fucking like synchronizing with your keyboard lights to like light up <laughs> alongside like the stupidest shit that's not worth any of the fucking money that's needed but like oh no dude i cotton's i i i i've been looking at like this release with beta breath and i really liked your bullet heaven on it it's made me want but i want to grab it physically so oh, it's yeah. just been a matter of like an opportunity of getting it it's um, like go through strictly limited man yeah i it just, I feel like uh, what's funny is all the spin out like Cotton, the one I haven't played and I have it loaded on my uh, SD to SNES is the uh, Super NES version, which that's the only one that like the judge is out. Cotton but 100%, I feel, yep. Yes, I, I, I haven't played the PlayStation version because it's difficult to acquire, but I do have the PlayStation port of the arcade as well as the TurboGrafx-16 CD. That that one was also, I mean, when we first established this podcast, that was like a big uh, talking point between me and you, Ed, and like what we bonded over was just our shared uh, love for the Turbo Graphics, and that was one of the games that I did get the chance to rent and fucking play, um, and I really enjoyed. But not much else aside from that. Like the Panorama game is fine, Rainbow is fine. Uh, I'm not. I don't know what it is. It's it's like Control. I don't see the uh, appeal of two. Two to me is very hard. And I, I've been trying to play it more, um, but it is exciting to know that this game kind of takes the all the the just the whimsy and the simple fun of the first one and, and just kicks it up a notch in a really pleasant and, and, and just overall beautiful way uh, for yeah. HD. 
Uh, the online leaderboards definitely don't hurt, but they also have like a caravan scoring mode as well, where you can sort of push your uh, your abilities with the uh, the scoring system in the main game to their their limits. The idea is that um, as you uh, as you fire your main shots, they'll go through crystals and split into green shots. And those shots, as they impact enemies, will fill a gauge. And when that gauge is full, you can go into like a, what was it, it's like an overdrive, some kind of an overdrive mode. And uh, while this is happening, you'll get like a multiplier for, for your enemy kills. Once again, going through, um, through the crystal, like shooting through crystals as you do so. If you shoot the crystals too much, though, they'll turn black and they'll absorb, they'll absorb your shots. They won't go through. So you've really got to sort of balance the amount of, of time that you're shooting through these crystals before you pick them up. You can pick up a black crystal as well for a larger bonus, uh, but it's not as much as if you're able to get multiplied kills on the other end. So there's a lot of risk-reward there, and uh, especially in the caravan mode, you can just get a flood of multipliers just filling the screen. It's very cathartic. I And I would like that because the crystal mechanic is still like weird and difficult for me to kind of kind of comprehend it's it's even more like i think that's like my big issue with two because two is like way more advanced it turns it into like this almost fucking like a whole ass role-playing mechanic almost that kind of fucks me up um which is why i don't know if boomerang's supposed to basically be like oh here's like the game you wanted simpler or some shit i still have yet to parse like what makes it different um yeah i haven't i haven't gotten into that yet Oh, dude, I, I'm really happy that Cotton is still just a thing here this day and age, and that like she is just between this and then like the Saturn collection, and then um, what were the other what what's the collection with Panorama Cotton, or is it just its own little? It's its, its own thing, thing. yeah. Uh, Panorama yeah, but... and 100 both have well, they've got their own physical releases coming, both for Genesis, Super NES, and physical Switch and PlayStation versions. So that's going to be yeah. pretty cool. All of all of which are going through strictly limited, and then uh, uh, Cotton Rock and Roll is already out in Japan, but it's coming out in the West as Cotton Fantasy. Mm. And the same game, um, and again, jury's out on that. But it's um, it's the first two D game with three D graphics in the series. I'm ex- I just enjoy that this franchise as a whole has in- has enjoyed a new renaissance because even uh, like Cotton is also a part of the Astro City mini lineup. Like it, at- Cotton is getting around. Oh yeah, it's getting around and it's finding new audiences. Like it's always like its biggest barrier of entry has honestly just been its secondhand price on in on sure. in the market. Mm, yeah, like, especially across- Panorama. Yeah, so like just seeing it find like new fans again and getting these uh, additional re-releases it definitely evokes the spirit of the fact that like you know retro games really do have a place and presence in not only being uh an inspiration towards new properties but also still enjoying new life in different ways on on modern on modern hardware so yeah. um Hey man, I'm I'm really like it. Like I said, you did an incredible uh, video. Bullet Heaven is one of it's honestly one of my favorite productions that Ed and uh, the Studio Mud Prince team has done um, for it. So you guys definitely 
definitely should give it a watch. We should definitely uh, include oh, yeah. it in the show notes. For sure. Um, um, uh, yeah, I, I, as, as far as, uh, as cotton releases go, I think that it might actually be the best one so far. That's my humble opinion. Hey, I I can Praise and him. I trust it. Praise. Uh okay, so my pick. This one was a little hard, but like it and even then I'm still kind of getting through it and what sucks is like I don't think I've reached the big hook of the game yet, which is fine. Um I'm still in it though and like I still I need to like play outside of my comfort zone with it. And that's like, I, I think in terms of all the roguelike games that we have discussed in this goddamn episode and, and just overall within recent memory that this game, I think does the best job of encouraging you or coercing you out of your comfort zone. And that would be inscription, which holy shit, this game came out of nowhere. I, I, I don't know, like, it, it's just, it's so bizarre how, like, it went from, like, this word-of-mouth curiosity uh, that was just mentioned in passing by Andrew and stuff, and, and like, some various mentions that I saw um, online to just burrowing its way into the back of my head and where it's also got another, like, pick-up-and-play mentality. And uh, I, I enjoy just the fact that, again, in, in terms of, like, incorporating, like, the fundamentals of a roguelike game where essentially you have a run-through and that there are various factors that can uh, impact you, um, just the contextual and circumstantial um, uh, conditions and stipulations that we see in, in all these various types of games, that it incorporates that into these branching points of one-off, like, one to two round games where uh, they're all done in the form of a trading card game. A trading card game is you, like, that. that's like my kryptonite. I, like, almost mm. any any of those will always, like, even the shitty, like, fucking, even the shitty Dragon Ball and Monster Rancher trading card game, like, found a way to get under my skin. Because I just, I don't know, I, I just love, like, the, it, it is the, Honestly, the closest thing I could say to a type of genre or game that can be chaotic good, where like there's some sort of order, but like it, the, the like the randomness and the chance aspect is always gonna like bring it back and always make it feel more different than the last. And it does this really well. It does this in a way that I will say that when you do understand, like the only, and it's the same knock I give against Halo. And I, again, I've discussed this in some manner or such in previous discussions of uh, inscription that if you get a, a, a fairly good feel for the fundamentals and you happen to get like a good draw in terms of building your deck, because you're gradually building your deck, you start off, uh, with a few cards, and especially from some cards that you built from previous run-throughs, when you find yourself getting to a point where, like, you can actually hang against uh, various conditions that you the game did not anticipate you beating, that it just fucking hammers you down to the point where I thought I was still doing something wrong before I realized, no, I'm being put. You were supposed to. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm being put in possible situations that I, I I just have to take the L, and I don't know if that kind of to me, that kind of goes against the grain of the roguelite formula, but I feel like out of all the games that like don't exactly incorporate this very well, that that inscription does a way to kind of 
roll out its twist on this dynamic mm-hmm. of, of, of really well, especially the fact that at any point, because like a big like hook behind this formula is like once you're committed, like we talked about it in uh, Returnal. I mean Hades. Uh, any any of the big mentions of of any of these. Once you commit yourself to a a run that you're you're kind of just you all you can really do is move forward. There's right. not much else. But here, this game challenges you as to whether or not moving forward is the right thing to do. It's constantly questioning your motives and and what like the circumstances and putting you at a crossroads of doubt to where you could at any point stop what you're doing and just explore an entirely different layer and element to the game, which is the cabin that you find yourself playing this fucking card game uh, against this like weird omnipotent being that, that basically no pun intended holds all the cards to like what's going on and how you move forward. And the more you break the meta of what you're doing, the crazier and more harrowing the experience gets, even on subsequent playthroughs. And it's all very dark and unsettling. Like, we talked about the presentation, but it just gets more, like, it, it, it gets more irksome. Like, I, I cannot stress enough that, like, as you move forward, it really, you know what it gives me a vibe of? And, like, I this might sound mean or cruel, but, like, you, if you guys ever have, like, that collective of friends who, um, like, they like playing, like, a card game for too much. Or, like, they're into a board game. And, like, there's just something about the intensity of getting into the game that kind of turns you off to the point where, like, you don't even feel like playing anymore. But the one friend who's just way too into it is just like, no. Almost either guilting you or, like, trying to bait mm-hmm. you into staying longer just so they can keep playing. Like, that's the kind of vibe that I got from this, I mean, dungeon master, so to speak, in Mm -hmm. where, like, they, you have no choice but to comply and keep going. And a part of you wants to, but, like, at some point, you're really into it. You You are on that same level and that same intensity. But just like that sibling who doesn't like, like, when they're on the losing end, like the the AI, the omnipotent uh, being, so to speak, will pull the shitty ripping your controller out of the port and just slam you with uncontrollable condition, uh, unwinnable conditions, and then like you're you're kind of forced to reevaluate. I I love and hate it. It does make me anxious. It does make me feel like I I don't know what I'm doing here, and I guess I'm gonna keep, but I want to keep going. It's the, just the, enough to. Yeah, the game definitely gives you a false sense of choice. I think the game is awfully linear for something that's supposed to be like, well, the, it's the luck of the cards, it's the luck of the draw, you know? It's No, it's a very linear experience, but it gives you the false sense of choice, and I think that's what's the most, like, frightening thing is that you're not in control of this. No. As you're playing through it. You, you gradually learn that that's a big theme of, like, how mm. little... Like how mm-hmm. little like sentence you have, and to the point where like again, it the game metatextually finds ways to beat you down. Like the fact that like one of your reoccurring cards, uh, is it, it has its own personality and often breaks the fourth wall, and like even finds ways to insult not only yourself and your playing skills, the situation, but the dungeon master themselves. It ha- it, it gives no fucks, and right. it definitely it makes you 
it goes from anything from being cheeky and sassy to driving like the insanity of like whether like the whole like air of doubt over what's going on it pushes it to the point where like i know there's something that i'm missing from that hook that i just want to keep going further to find out um but yeah it it's definitely it's another game that's crawled its way under my skin but just like some of these factors and elements like uh like returnal beats you down but you there's a there's a there's a sense of growth other roguelites beat you down there's growth there's no growth in there's only for every question for every answer you get there's just more questions right and that's its hook to me but i i know mm-hmm. there's a big one that i'm fucking missing and like i'm just trying to find the time to get to it and yeah it mm-hmm. out of all of the games that make me feel like that weird sense of dread but enjoy what i'm doing all of this it, it it definitely inscription that's my number two yeah all right uh we we at number ones we yes, we we, we, are. we there okay we've wound it down so we get to our uh number one i figured okay. real quick we'd we do a three-wheeled mako of shame there there are two things i personally would nominate for three-wheeled sure. mako of shame one of them absolutely takes more precedence than the other uh and honestly i'm gonna i mean we've discussed it at length we're not gonna go into it for too crazy and it's fairly obvious but the whole situation with activision blizzard and how it's become right. it, it just only g- grows more nightmarish the and then and just the double down and the fact that like the absolute like no tact in reading the situation or the rumor or not it or not necessarily tact this the the density of of these fucking corporate mongrels especially Kotick of all people um like I've never liked that stooge but like I really don't like him it's it's just at this point I'm not gonna you know try to judge i don't want to judge you and i know like there there are things that like we there are a few things that we have like video games this privilege of escapism from everything else that's rough and and shitty but keep in mind some people have also enveloped themselves within the industry at large of making these things for you that there are real people behind it and that they deserve courtesy and respect as well and to be honest like dude do not do not support any sort of brand that that puts or casts those like the 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 overall betterment and treatment of those people aside for their own selfish gains like it it is late stage capitalism at its worst so that that's me personally and i don't know how you guys feel or agree to making that the uh three-wheeled mako of shame for 2021 yeah i think it's a very obvious answer uh I will say I was going to do an honorable mention, three wheel Mako shame. Even though, don't want to be negative. Um, I mean, obviously the Blizzard thing, you you don't have like you have to be negative about that. That's shit. Um, I was going to say NFTs, but I didn't want people adding me and like getting pissed. So I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to say dude, fuck <laughs> NFTs. 
fuck NFTs. No, no. Uh, uh, here's the NFT. No, fuck I'm that gonna, shit. And I'm gonna FT. deactivate my Twitter like, account now. See ya. Peace. No, dude. Like, <laughs> nah, so fuck what? That. So like, like a dozen ugly monkeys can just at you and just no. I fuck it and like I. There's no place in it. There's it's a pyramid scheme, you guys. Like this receipt that you own and you think gives you like right to it, except it doesn't because it's being sold off and can be taken away from you at any point where you essentially have invested into fucking nothing. But if anything, the detriment of uh, very finite resources, as we've come to learn over what exactly powers these things in the fucking NFT farms, like you thought phone farms were bad, bro. Like I know. Yeah. I, I, I second that. Honestly, my other nomination was going to be 12 minutes. Fuck that game. Please do not I play 12 minutes. Still haven't played it. I don't play it. I, so it, ah, uh, I, when we, when we get to a point, I want to talk to you more about it just so okay. I can, I, cause I've, I mean, I haven't spoiled what really sucks about it, but no, and I will, and I will play it. I think I, I need to just to have a, a point of reference. Oh no, so. yeah, that misery loves company in here. Like, fine, like you, you know, I'll fucking. <laughs> okay. That's that's. I, I want you guys to collect. And, and then and then and then you just shake your finger at me and say, "I told you." Yep, I told you. Yeah, yeah. That's but fine. but for everyone else, okay. like, please heed. Like, do yeah. not play this fucking game. I'll I'll take the heat for you guys on this one. Okay, I got you. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, that's that's my other nomination. But yeah, no, yeah, fuck, mm-hmm. like no, N O on N F T like hard stop uh any other honorable mentions you have for mako shame nah. it's a bad enough year the year <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i was gonna i was gonna uh ed you you got anything to add uh, to that or do you do you feel pretty pretty good about that uh assessment uh yes but i will add the uh the nasty um um input delay that was uh that has plagued the uh the saturn games that they've been trying to release on uh on like switch and ps4 that's uh yeah they're 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 going to fix it or they're trying to fix it but like they spent so much so many resources on on creating this this special engine for um um for the uh, the saturn tribute on switch and ps4 and to have it come out with i think they said it was something like 11 or 12 frames of input lag which is a bummer too. That's because, a super like, bummer, yeah. It it's like imagine and again I brought it up, but emulation for the Saturn has grown exponentially and you can do amazing things with the Saturn that you could not do arguably five years ago. Well yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't just, think it's I still don't think it's there yet. Yeah, it it's almost but imagine if it was there and imagine if Nintendo just straight used that that tech and like put it under NSO. Oof. no one else has done it like it would i know it would sell just from sheer spectator alone uh the, like spectator interest of the sega saturn and like the and, and the re the secondhand market on this goddamn platform and the effect of that alone would absolutely bolster and benefit nintendo switch online and just giving people the chance to play knights burning rangers shining force 3 fucking panzer dragoon like i don't know so I really hope that that does definitely turn around. Uh, yeah, Andrew. I think I think the thing the, the the main draw to that issue though is that games are coming out less and less complete 
Like, uh, it feels like a lot of stuff is just being rushed out and patched later. And I think now more than ever, it seems as prevalent as it, as it's ever been. Like, oh yeah, dude. That's how I felt about Halo Infinite. It's, I don't know. It, it's, I, I wish that, you know, we, we've seen so many things get delayed in the interest of getting a, a better product out. Why can't we just delay things to make sure that they at least run properly? You know, well, I mean, that yeah. kind of falls under the same argument. But even like, like a prime example is Pokemon Arceus. That fell off of everyone's radar, yeah. and like that, that was I think supposed to come out earlier. But it's, I mean, there's I don't I think it was Miyamoto that said it. I don't remember, but that saying where uh, a good game, no matter how long it takes, will always be a good game because of how good it is but you know if you rush out a bad game it's always going to be a bad game and be forever remembered as one yeah like i I yeah yeah Yeah. i mean like there's still a checks and balances i don't know um but i still haven't played no man's sky and you know what i i jumped into it a little bit and i kind of want to install that that's funny i that's one of the ones i want to install my ps5 and it's great now, but it's also the too little, too late because it wasn't mm. so great before. So I don't know. Um, Maybe there's kind of think there's there's something behind what Miyamoto said. Street I heard about Fighter. that with Cyberpunk too. Like yeah, same dude. thing, same same. Yeah, yeah. I want to install Cyberpunk on my Series X and kind of jump in, but like at the same time, I'm just like, eh, that can wait because I, yeah. I I put twenty hours into it. I'm just like, this is so not what I thought it would be. Um. And then, fuck, man, what? Uh, Street Fighter Five? Holy shit, Street Fighter Five! Mm. How did Capcom loot like everything that Four did? Everything that Four did got just swept under the rug when, with like how poorly Five came out. And even then, it's a great place now. But who cares? Like, I'd, I'd well, rather play Strive. It's not even that great now. But the team behind it is trying their best to like get back to a place where it's just a fun fighting game. I mean, I appreciate Ono, but I just feel like he got just like burnt out on it and just couldn't do it anymore. And I think it shows in development. Yeah. You know, but but they're 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 new producers now. Like they're, you know, I think they were brought up in, in that scene like when 4 was like super hot. Um and so I think they're I think they are going to try really hard to bring it back. If we get an announcement of six, which who knows? I mean, 35th anniversary Street Fighter this year. I don't know what they have planned for six, if anything at all. No, time will tell. So number one, Andrew, what is your number uh, one game number of 2021? One. Speaking of things coming back, I played and fell. I fell in love again with Halo multiplayer. Um, there's something about the uh, anniversary of Xbox, and they were showing like by platform what game you played the most of. And without shadow of a doubt, on the original Xbox, I played the most Halo 2. Uh, I cannot tell you the, the the times I had, the LAN parties, playing Halo 2 multiplayer. Um, it just really, like, cemented my life around that time. You know, that was it for us. It was going over to Buddy's houses, playing Halo 2 online, uh, getting my gamer tag for the first time you know, to play Halo multiplayer. Um, just, like, such a, a integral part of my life. And, uh, unfortunately, when Bungie left development of Halo, I, I never messed with 343. I I didn't really have any desire to play the Halo games after that. Not not because I didn't want to try them. I just, 
there was nothing there that really excited me. Like I was very much a Halo two. Like I, I cut my teeth on that, played a shit ton of that multiplayer, played quite a bit of three, especially the beta. And, um, you know, after reach, I just didn't really have much desire to go back. Uh, infinite multiplayer brought me back. I think it's just got the feel. It's got the speed. It's got the balance that I've been wanting for such a long time. And it does it because it just keeps things simple. It doesn't overcomplicate things. It just goes back to its basics. And I think in doing so has crafted a amazing multiplayer experience. And the reason why I say it's my favorite game of the year is because I think you are allowed to separate the multiplayer from the base campaign because they're two separate things. You can download the multiplayer for free and play it for free on PC uh, and Xbox. You don't have to own Halo to play it. It's free to play right now. And I think they're going to continue to do so in the future. I think that's going to be a standalone thing, kind of like how uh, Call of Duty Warzone is, like just free to play, download it, play it. Um, it's because I've not touched the to campaign. Keep the climate of the game alive. Like there's no I, shortage yeah. of gameplay on it. Right. Because I've not because I've not played the campaign. I've not touched it. Um, I I probably will play it, but I just haven't had a desire to go into it. Um, and and you know, kudos to three four three and Microsoft. They I mean, they single-handedly killed mo- any kind of momentum Battlefield had. Battlefield didn't do itself many favors. It was kind of already killing itself in the process. Yeah. But, like, completely killed its momentum because, um, like, they just said, here, stealth launch of the Halo multiplayer. Jump in and play. It's out early. Test it. Technically, it's still in beta. So, it, I would say maybe because of that, there's some criticism of it being a game of the year because it's technically in beta until I think the end of this month. Um, there but, are parts of it that feel unfinished, but like... Right. There... But, but I, I feel like it is a standalone game because it came with the eventual release of the campaign of the like retail copy of the game. It's just that it was out earlier than the uh, the whole game's release to play early. And that just got people super invested in it, super excited about playing it. Um the the weapons all uh have unique um properties and they all feel good they're all like in my opinion i feel like the weapons all have a a reason for being used um the br is still the best but even the auto rifle is a, a big contender they've nerfed the magnum to where it's not so op um some of the newer weapons are a lot of fun to use and and have unique properties and unique sh- uh shooting mechanics that you can kind of incorporate into your gameplay. Uh, the maps are very intuitive and like just very well focused in its design. Like you can just feel the flow of the map. Like you don't get caught up in the uh, environments. You don't get caught up in the architecture. Like it just feels like it flows like old Halo Two maps did. Yeah, like the gimmickry um, doesn't overshadow. Like it's just right, right. Right. It just feels good. And that, and honestly, it comes down to feel. Like, I have muscle memory for Halo Two. I have like pinpoint like remembrance of maps and layouts and weapon placement. And I feel like in in Infinite's multiplayer, most of that is is exactly how it was. Like, it just it feels like they got players of that generation and just said, "All right, we need to make a Halo game. What are we gonna do?" 
and they just stripped down all the BS and they just went back to, you know, the, the core. And, and I feel like it's really been beneficial. Um, the only thing that's really kind of unfortunately deflated some of that excitement is it's battle pass. Mm-hmm. And I think they've made great strides into repairing it, but it is not yet fixed. It's still kind of a mess, but, um, that's the same with any DLC in any multiplayer game right now. I don't think anyone's ever really gotten it right. No. Um, but but it's not great, so I will say that that's one thing I, I would understand people holding against it. But in terms of like the playing of it, it's it feels like it's you know the early two thousands again, and and I just had a super fun time playing it. I'm excited to keep on playing it. It's definitely gonna be a game in my rotation with Destiny um, as something I will you know continuously jump into and play for as long as I can. I I really enjoyed it, and that's even just playing with randos. Loved again there with some friends and just have a lot of fun. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that as well. I, you know, I, I agree with you almost wholeheartedly. It's just the only thing that, like, I feel, I mean, again, I as far as the multiplayer, I'm having a, a much smoother time with the mm-hmm. multiplayer than I am with the campaign. But, like, the, the open world hook of the campaign is what makes me keep going to that. Plus, like... Right. Uh, like I, I could play that at my own pace versus just jumping in the multiplayer and kind of like swinging with the punches there. Um, sure. but the grind of the multiplayer, and I understand that it's been that's been ironed out, but that's kind of just turned me off because like I, if anything, sure. just giving me the freedom to like bring over some fun stuff that I can mess around with to the multiplayer from the campaign will kind of maybe yeah, ease some, some of that. Would make sense, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That would absolutely so, make sense. Yeah, so. But I, I, I totally get that. I do find it curious that, like, they're like I have not touched the campaign. And I'm like, you no. know what? It, I'm, I'm curious to see how you, um, how you enjoy the, the open world design of it. Um, I don't know if it, I think it was on Kotaku and I think it was Ethan uh, Gotch who I don't, man, I don't want to shit on this dude's hot takes. Like, as I already kind of do a lot, but mm. I, I will say that, like, there was some, there's a lot of shade thrown at like the uh, introductory linear levels of halo and how, like when you know what's ahead of you, that it just makes them all the more tiresome. Like I could not disagree more. Like when you are at those linear junctures, like again, the world and level design complementing, And and again, that what you mentioned as far as the map, just feeling so organic and inherent to like what you can do as a player and feeling good to not only recognize, but to tackle. Um, it that absolutely carries over to a lot of it. The only time in which it doesn't is the open world parts, which is fine. I just feel like they that that can be a little bit more smoothed out. But yeah, I I definitely love the attention to detail that they put into the environment, especially within a world as rich in lore in terms of like like the uh, overall like the civilization and the worlds and 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 all the cultures that that they've brought into the halo verse at this point. Like I, I feel like infinite is definitely a culmination of that to where it, it can, it's amazing for anyone, whether somebody who's invested in that world or someone who just wants to relive like the excitement of playing halo two multiplayer, like you have yourself. Sure. So yes, I totally get it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed, what is your number one goddamn pick of 2021? Mm. Well, I had a a three-way tie going, but upon closer inspection, I think I've narrowed it down even further. Um, wow, in the 11th hour. Yeah. 
So one of them was Dodampach uh, Daifkatsu on uh, on the Switch. Um, Livewire has uh, come through and created just these incredible cave ports for Nintendo System. And as of right now, they're only available on uh, on the console side of things. They're only available on the Switch. Mm-hmm. The uh, Dodampach Daifkatsu has um, the uh, the regular uh, version. Um, with two arranges in mode, novice modes, black label, black label arrange, black label novice, just a ton of gameplay for all skill ranges. Um, and you know, th- there's literally a mode pretty much for, uh, for everyone, which is all well and good, but it's already been released on steam. Um, then Mushihime Sama was also, re- was the first of the three that were released, um, on the Switch. And it actually has the, uh, the blue label Matsuri, um, arrange mode included without having to buy it as a DLC. It was also released on Steam, but you had to buy that second, uh, that second mode in addition to the game itself. So to have it available and to have it as razor sharp as it, uh, as it was on the Switch was pretty great. Um, I could play it with a pizza box, and I made decent progress. And you have, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no joke, he actually did. But the you number mean, got got them donairs. Yeah, <laughs> East Coast sponsorship coming soon. The, the, yeah, exactly. The the East Coast uh, legend continues. Um, <laughs> but of the three, the one in the middle, I think, is heads and tails. The one that wins because uh, Escaluda Two uh, on Switch is the first release of the game since Xbox 360 in Japan. That was all the way back in 2000, either 10 or 11, a long time ago. Um, and once again, it made the transition over with the, an incredible sharpness and playability to it. And it sports seven distinct modes. So once again, there's a play style and a mode for everyone. You can, like, if you're, even halfway decent at shooting games, you can get through the novice mode on a single life. Um, if you want more challenge, the regular mode is where you want to go. If you want some insane scoring, you got to go with Black Label. Um, there are three different arranged modes that each have distinct differences in the way that they score and the way that they play. Um, there's an Ikaruga style mode where you can cancel out uh, either red or blue bullets depending on what kind of fire you're firing. Um, yeah, it, you can cancel, I think, blue bullets with uh, regular rapid shot and red bullets with laser shot. Um, and all of these modes have different awakenings, which can uh, change the way that the bullets behave and how the player can either cancel or manipulate the stuff on screen to get just gigantic amounts of math everywhere. Um <laughs> And when it comes to the scoring, I, I think it's probably the most satisfying game to score in just because of the amount of stuff that's happening. You can flood the entire screen with 1,000 times multipliers. Um, and the music is just incredible throughout. The, uh, the I, I think it's one of the most beautiful 2D games ever made. Just the, the art design between uh, the, the enemies and the characters and everything that flies around, the patterns of the bullets, it's all very mesmerizing. So I, I think, yeah, easily to me, that was the, the single best release this year. So I guess with that game, do you, do you see it as being an homage to the games of the genre? That like, you know, some, some of the great games of the genre? Or is it like 
this is the precedent. Like, like you, this is the standard. Like, you have to. I want to say you know. that it's like it's outside of Ketsui. I don't know. It's it's really hard between Ketsui and uh, Espigaluda too, right? Um, Ketsui is its own thing. Espigaluda is a sequel, obviously, to the first one that only found its way to PlayStation after arcade. Uh, and I mean, I will es- say this. Espigaluda. I mean, inter- Sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I will say this, and and it's to embolden Ed's point. I got a Japanese Xbox 360. I'm still picking up a lot of different, like I just talked about grabbing Fushihimi Sami HD. The first game I got was Espigaluda 2, and I was like just singing its praises to him. This dude, no mm. joke, after me putting down the investment, he was just straight up like, you should get it on Switch. And I'm like, bro, I, I, I fucking have it. It's right here. And it's <laughs> like, no, but like you have you have the means to play it in Tate on Switch, right? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, get it on Switch. It's a completely different game. And mm-hmm. it speaks to all the strengths that I didn't even realize, like, I, he didn't include the Ikaruga thing. That would have made me be like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. I, but yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I think overall, Ketsui has just that little bit of an edge on PlayStation 4 with the Destiny release. That makes it my all-time favorite. But, like, I mean, Escalita 2 is a pretty good apex, I think. I think in terms of approachability and playability, it might be the apex of shooting games. Wow. And if you get on the Switch, I mean, well, why not? Everyone yeah. has a Switch. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, who the fuck right. would buy an okay. Xbox 360 from Japan? Oh, Europe? we're not. Come on. <laughs> Well, I mean, too- we still like that one too. You're, we still like it. <laughs> it's a region free game too, by the way, on Xbox. Oh, we I didn't like know it. That. It's just different. It's true. Hmm. Where was I? Oh, oh I guess it's my turn. Uh, number one. The number one pick. It's fuck. It's so obvious. It's and I don't give a shit. I don't care. It is that good, and it deserves this uh, praise for me. And that is fucking. It's Peppa Pig. Uh, That's no. right, my friend Peppa Pig, number one. <laughs> Suck no. it, yeah, buddy. It is uh, game of the year. My seven-year-old was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's fucking Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, right? Um, man, I. So, and here's the thing, and like I, I've talked about it with other peers. I've talked about it with James Milky. I've talked about it with uh, Greg Seward, of uh, Player One Podcast, and. Uh, and Chris Johnson to that effect. And funny enough, they they did not have like Milky took a while, but he got into it. Uh, Greg is not a fan in there, and I can see why it's kind of got this polarizing effect. Um, honestly, I blame not a lot of that on the game itself by its own merits, but the genre and just how I don't want to say diluted because that's mean, but I would say saturated they're like metroidvanias used to have like this air of significance to them and and just like even like just some of the different things they do and now we we live in a world of like hollow knight and dead cells and like so many other like fucking uh, chasm and chrono and, and even stuff like for the Wii U, like that, also eventually made the jump over to Switch again, and and like I can't even like it's become, it went from like this like just innocuous term that like 
Sharky and Jeremy Parrish threw around on like the One Up show uh, to like this full fledged fucking genre that is now being published into a uh, like totem in its own right by like fronts like Hardcore Gaming 101 and a search term on fucking Steve's uh, Steve's Steam's algorithm. Uh, in in even like the eShop and other stuff, like it is a well-established term. It's something that we on the show have championed for. Like it is my secret, not so secret, open secret favorite type of game. And I would be lying if I said that there's there hasn't just been the sense of fatigue. Now I think we've kind of explored a lot of what you can do. And and even then, like my my deep down dirty desire if I were to ever develop uh, a video game is I want to shape it around this formula because I feel like there's a lot of mileage that this formula can still have if if tapped correctly um, but dread in my opinion did that f without forgoing any of the fundamentals that like made Metroid as special as it was um, really taking into account some of the stuff that was introduced with uh, Samus Returns uh, for the 3DS, but also just like stuff that goes back as far as uh, Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. I I'm going to be honest, and like Sean, uh, I know he'd probably be shaking his head and wagging his finger because he goddamn loved Metroid Fusion. Metroid Fusion is one of my not so favorite games. I feel like it's very linear hand-holding and it does not shut the fuck up um in terms of how it directs you the player who is supposed to be like embellished in this like grand sense of isolation and loneliness and i feel like dread really captures that not only within its world building and its design but just fundamentally in terms of, like, how you move forward. To the point where, like, I mean, yeah, we can all collectively get together and mock David Jaffe, which we should still do, by the way. Like, what the fuck, <laughs> you idiot? Like, it's it's so, like, how do you not... It, it, it's just, like, the fundamentals of what it does and, and encourage for players to do in terms of exploration while still working on, like, established tropes that it helps bring in uh, to the genre as itself, it dread I think really just refines that. I I had an argument with some peers as well, and even then, like the, the other peers that I just made mention, I personally enjoy dread more than Super Metroid. I can go back and play both and have an amazing time, but dread sticks with me more only because where there was a lot of inference with Super Metroid where players were like tasked with filling in some of the blanks and kind of doing it. And you can even break it down and bring down its own meta dread kind of introduced like that weird spectacle, like the same feeling that I got from prime when we all first played prime and some of the negative, uh, negative feelings that we had and impressions just because we, a lot of the world at large didn't think that the way to do a three-dimensional Metroid was from the first-person perspective, and we were all blown away and proven wrong. To the, the, that stands to the testament of Prime even then and its legacy of people still wanting to relive an experience of that on the Switch to where it's 
fucking constantly remained this stupid rumor that like will never die like you guys thought the nintendo switch pro thing was annoying no every year there's like some rumor that the crime trilogy will make it to uh the switch that same feeling uh i didn't think would be possible in a two-dimensional traditional space like that of side-scrolling metroid and dread did it uh the emmy uh, fun the emmy dynamic it really isn't all that bad if anything just how you interpret it and play it as a player i mean hey man if you like are annoyed by it like play it and then at this point get through it it's worth it and then if you want to give yourself a playthrough that really makes them all the more terrifying like do a nuzlocke run of metroid red make it to where like the moment you die like, you delete that file, you gotta start over. And that makes these sections all the more harrowing. You have the ability to do that. I think in terms of accessibility and what they've done is incredible. And the fact that, like, once you have, like, an established feel uh, for the world that they, they've introduced, and even then some of the, like, Easter eggs and just rewards that they've given to players and fans of the franchise that dread is hit its peak and it's also like it's scary it sucks that like even if an idea is half baked that like we as players have to still make sure that we invest time and an excitement in order for entities like nintendo or any others to uh essentially keep in mind and and bring that game back into relevancy i mean uh, you we saw it firsthand with like Mega Man 11. Even like Mega Man 11 is good. It's fine. It I don't think it has the same quality as something like Nine, uh, or some of the other like uh, attempts that they had. But like we we all had to get together and like campaign for its existence because like we had to prove that like the game still has a place. The franchise still has a place in today's climate. Uh, Dread doesn't. Like, while we, we all came into that, Dread superseded that hand over fist. Like, it, it lived and beat down every expectation. It is a must-play, a must-own, and again, within a fairly shitty year with all other circumstances considering, it was definitely a... It was an, an incredible moment of escapism out of all of these other games. Like, where it's, again, another game that I find myself thinking about but just for moments, it was an incredible like title to deliver these little moments that like stick with me, that define and even go on to affect to redefine Metroid. Like everybody talks about the mother brain sequence in Super Metroid and stuff like that. Dread has its own moments. Like that alone should tell you. I I mean you could probably tell me some shit about fusion and stuff in Zero Mission, and it's fine. I mean, but they're mostly the negative parts, like the elevator conversations or the stealth mechanics of zero mission dread here like aside from its emmy sections that like have some polarizing opinions is the full fucking package so that is my number one so i guess with everybody every like we're all pouring our hearts what do we think right. should get the uh i mm. i think personally and ed's won me over if anything you make me want to go pop it into my 360 and not my switch because i'm a fucking plebe uh espagaluda too uh i think that deserves bullet heaven but i mean i'm not the person to make that call but i personally i would vouch for that um 
But in terms of Press Posh Radio Game of the Year, what are we thinking? I remember last year, we all kind of had thought ideas going into it, but then after everybody's compelling arguments, right. we walked away with uh, newly or fucking New Horizons. Um, I personally, and it's not even on my list. That's funny enough. Uh, you evoked a whole bunch of new feelings for me for Returnal. I would like to argue for Returnal or Halo multiplayer. I would not argue for Halo multiplayer because I think on the same coin. I I kind of talked myself into thinking it's still probably beta and maybe not necessarily a fully fleshed out game per mm-hmm. se. And I know I know that's just like semantics, but you know, maybe as like a realized uh experience and a realized release, you know, for me it was probably the most like emotional attachment to a game I had this year, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh just cuz how it made me feel and how like it really excited me about playing Halo again. Um I would say I think that Dread was able to accomplish a lot, not just in like its execution, but like you could have heard a pin drop when they announced Dread because everyone thought it was going to be a prime, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's Dread, and they're like, oh, fuck. Like, like immediately that game had a lot going against it because it wasn't the prime that everyone was expecting, and it was this. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, it was able to overcome that and I think really put itself and cement itself as a a, a a game in that franchise that is worth being at the top and I think that made the system itself already being obviously like a dominant system selling you know franchise even more so with the Switch because it came out hand in hand with the OLED version of the system I mean the system was going to sell no matter what but for it to come out with that release, I think, really was a, a smart idea and a a good thing to roll out with the release of that hardware. Because I think that really it like drives it home that, you know, this is the way to play this game. But also didn't limit it from saying that, like other Nintendo <laughs> properties, you can only play this version of the game on this system. Like, there's probably some benefit to it, right? But, like, not necessary. And I think that was a smart move to do there, too. Um... Yeah, I would I would probably not throw Halo in there My, myself. Returnal, I would, for me, I say as as a game, a fully fleshed out game and an experience, I would argue that. Um, I would say Metroid, you know, for just what it was able to achieve, and uh, Escaluda, like I think that it has the ability to maybe, and this may be bold of me saying, Ed, like introduce people into a genre that is. Very difficult to get into if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's I think all pick up and play. right. So I think all three really have a place here. So I I don't know, man. It, it, it it's a tough argument, but I would be very happy with any of those. Well, uh, see, I I would love to like get everybody in on dread, but unfortunately. I don't think you all have played it yet, but when you do, no, I, know I have you... not. I have not. Right. Yeah. So. I know when you do, right. though, you're gonna be like, "Damn, George was right." You're gonna. You're I have gonna the be... demo downloaded, and I still need to play. And we should mention here too. We didn't get a chance to mention it throughout the rest of the show. Uh, Sean really wanted to be a part of this, but uh, Sean just got his Switch this year and has been playing all the hotness from 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was unfortunately uh, not eligible to talk about some new releases from this but year. But there was one but new release he fucking dicked there down was, on. There was. There was. Yeah. Uh, Sean's pick 
by the way, is N Walker. Like that dude, and holy shit, I saw the hour count. It's it's definitely N Walker. It it, it and, convinced me to reinstall it into my PlayStation Four, and I'm just waiting to set the perfect build cycle. And I just need to coordinate servers between y'all so we can play it. And it sounds like from my my group of friends who play a lot of video games outside of PPR, it's like the best thing that's ever fucking happened. Like it, it is, everyone's super crazy about that stuff. Yeah. So oh, yeah, Dayrun is playing it right now. <laughs> uh, this actual moment, yeah. Um, a full year of playtime she's got in Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh boy. Full year. Yeah, I've only got like, dude, I've got thirty three days into eleven across the span of like 15 plus years so that's that's a fucking lot dude i like i okay i'm gonna take a a while to process that anyway uh (laughs) uh hit you hit you pretty quick huh yeah all right um okay well i'd on it honestly okay so to me then i i would argue either for dread or returnal well what do you think ed and i know unfortunately you don't have like firsthand in these, but if you were to look at it based on the arguments we presented you from the outside looking in, I'd have to go with Returnal. It is a game that I think you. I think would... you, I think you know the lineage of the developer too, which maybe helps. Mm-hmm. But but it's also a game I'm that not I... I'm not crazy about Metroid. I never really have mm. been. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely like that's why for the genre in itself it's evolved point like there are metroidvania games i'm sure you found fun with like any of the castlevanias uh that have happened or anything of that effect. oh yeah, but... yeah i've I've gone through my fair share of like decent metroidvanias but like metroid as a series is unfortunately it's a little spoiled on my end hmm. and yeah it is the game i'm telling you if we get this man a playstation 5 that's the game i want him to play that's a game right, where he's right. just like where well like he has his like Twilight Zone moment where he was just like I I can like these again. I I well, I let, do let, like take my rep. Let's let, let's take it a little bit at a time now. Come on. <laughs> so the man the man just said every iteration of the the system hardware he goes further and further back. We might have to like go back into time and get him. You know yeah. he, he's. Uh, also, he's uh, the PS Five games are ninety bucks up here. I'm just saying. Fuck, oh, dude, there's yeah. 70 here. Fuck that. Yeah. Jesus. Um, God damn. All right, so what are you, what are you feeling, I feel, Andrew? I, I feel good about Returnal. I, I do. I think you that, you know, I, I wish more people had access to it. That's the real fucked up thing. Like, I hate exclusive games. Like, like more people need to be able to be able to like, I, get I used to argue for them. I used to argue for them because right. they, and I still kind of do. They definitely they they make the feeling of owning that particular machinery like feel awesome, but mm. not when this piece of fucking machinery is like being made scarce by a bullshit pyramid scheme that's farming out resources that doesn't deserve, and just shitty capitalism, like scalping it for dollars upon dollars more than it's fucking worth like to the point where like you have to find yourself in a collective of friends to argue whether or not uh seven hundred dollars for like a game and like the base set is like not 
entirely unfair. I'm like, dude, that's a big markup. Like, th that's too much of a mark. Like, that is no longer a we're helping you out. That's like, no, we want to come out of this with some extra green. Like, right. fuck that. It and like, th this is a machine that should, for all intents and purposes, not be in in this realm of of scarcity. It and 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 by any means, like. It it should be a hot item, but like not eighteen like eighteen months almost. I I'm fairly certain it was November of 2019 when this came out. Yes, yes, that so, sounds right to me. Because right, Miles Morales so, came out in November, and that was yes. what I got at launch. Okay, mm -hmm. so not eighteen months. We're still the I'm overshooting it, but essentially fifteen months. Why? Why? No, that's stupid. That's fucking dumb. So that that's I don't know. I like so when people. So let let's get this game on Steam. Yeah. And yeah. And then, then we can no, send no, it good. to Ed's supercomputer, and then he'll be like, hmm, "Not bad." <laughs> yep. I, that's all I want. If go. I can get not bad, like I'll I'll I'll, I'll die a happy man. <laughs> okay. Yep. We'll we'll make it so. Not you dying. We don't want that. We just, want... <laughs> <laughs> we just want everyone to be happy around here. That's all. Yeah, that's the that's the end goal. All right, so episode end, y'all? Yeah, I like it. All right, so if you've just finished listening to Press Pause Radio's Golden Zonkeys Class of 2021, guess what? We're... Bro, we're on fucking Spotify now, so yeah. get that shit, get that shit in your ear and, holes. And you can rate podcasts now on Spotify. So, just like in iTunes and other, uh, you know, platforms that host our podcast, if you can give us a five star rating on Spotify, that would be just fantastic. We'd appreciate it. And high fives all around. Yeah, it would be incredible. Please, by all means. I mean, we review us on anything and everything that you could, but absolutely, uh, Spotify is a way to be uh, for podcasts. I mean, it sucks that we have to share space with Joe Rogan, but like, fuck that, <laughs> like, dipshit. Um, if you liked what you listened to, and you want to find us in other places, we're also still we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, we're on Scatter Radio, uh, we're on over 67 other directories, and I am uh, gradually building up the uh, tools and resources to get our uh, library of 10-plus uh, years available, uh, hopefully for uh, YouTube. There are some years that I unfortunately don't have access to, but that's the fun of coordinating with Andrew, because I believe Andrew has all of our classic episodes. Somewhere! We need a backup to our backups. Yeah, we, we yeah we, we need really something. Do. <laughs> so there's somewhere, but we're gonna do what we can. At the very least, we'll definitely try to go as far back as we can, um, and get that get that going, um, and make it accessible to y'all. Um, and also, uh, we've again we've got new equipment to kind of expand our uh, video coverage. We're gonna definitely do quarter circle forwards. Definitely gonna I'm gonna try to incorporate more video aspect of that. So like stay tuned for that uh games that are still hitting for quarter circle forward review we've got lost judgment uh shovel knight pocket dungeon sable as well as demons of astaborg and uh also doing a late to the party on returnal which man it, it returnal came up went from like being a curiosity to really capturing our fucking hearts 
Um, and then uh, top five is definitely making a return, and we have some top five ideas, and we're introducing a new feature that I've been floating by the guys and we're working on, uh, Homebrew Hour, where we're going to talk about uh, not necessarily, I know the name may be misleading, but uh, not only homebrew releases, but overall like just indie releases in the realm of boutique uh, releases like uh, Bitmap Bureau, for example, is going to be one of the episodes we do coverage on because while all the games are readily available from an indie publication standard on most modern hardware, they've also uh, done retroactive uh, retro releases for the Neo Geo and the Genesis, and even then some of the stuff that they've already done in a spirit of that, like with Battle Act. So definitely want to give them coverage as well as uh, PenguinNet. Uh, people behind Ricky and Vicky, as uh, which was an Atari 7800 game, as well as also readily available for you to purchase on Steam right now, uh, to Zaku, uh, something that they shared uh, publication rights with to Super Fighter Team, a old boutique publisher that we actually did an interview and had on the cast over eight years ago, like days fucking back, uh, for the Atari Lynx, which is evocative of Airzonk. So... Uh, I've got everything I need to kind of just like get that going and, and, and currently am working on it, but also kind of getting the swing of everything else. Um, I'm very excited. I got some cables that I was kind of hedging bets on that are now going to work. Uh, I tested them all out and now I'm just excited to get the rest of my fucking equipment here so I could put this stupid room back together. Uh, so feeling good about it. Uh, next project is just getting a newer, more enhanced PC for even, uh, more involved video coverage and production uh so with that said oh and check out the uh, reviews that andrew's already done um one that really caught my eye and that i absolutely want to check out is uh fire girl uh but he also did an incredible review on clockwork aquaria which i appreciate and thank you um it spoke to me and i and i love the way you wrote that and it definitely i felt great that you wrote it as a you know with I would say um, your exposure to the property versus something like ours and Ed's. So right, it's a really yeah, great perspective. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, having maybe less exposure was, was really exciting to kind of get into it for the first time. Um, yeah. And I, I was really as more of like a preservation. I thought that was really awesome that they were able to bring that um, to a wider audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And just the story behind it is, is very unique and very like just... <laughs> It's crazy it to think that something like that is even possible. I, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm surprised, like, uh, I don't know. Um, if anything, the people that did need to do that mini-doc before anyone else is my life in gaming. Just between Corey's, like, mm. absolute love for anything Westone. Maybe if he can get some collab with uh, Jeremy Parrish, I, I would I would sit mm. down and watch the fuck out of that. And, of course, we got to get Ed's music, and then we go. We got, we got a perfect doc. Love it. Done. Speaking of Ed's music and just Ed as a whole, because we love Ed and him and his fucking Sesame Park, <laughs> bro. What what's going on on Studio Mudprint side of things for PPR? Well, um, we got some incoming uh, videos coming up uh, coming up for Bullet Heaven. Um, <clears throat> deep dive reviews for uh, Darius Cosmic Revelation, as well as Darius Extra version for uh, Sega Genesis. Uh, we have got Cotton Rock and Roll for the Nintendo Switch. And um, the the newest one that I've got in the works right now uh, that should be going live this week, I believe, as, as soon as I can, is Blazing Rangers for the Famicom, also known as Hono no Ranger Man. So that's going to be pretty cool. 
Uh, also working on some other features, uh, another five likes, as well as the 2021 top 10 for Bullet Heaven. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be exciting. I want to, I need to watch forward it. to those. All right, y'all. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, we let's not try to put too many expectations on 2022. Right. Let's just, let's just hope for the best, you guys. Let's, let's cross our fingers, like, you know. Tempered expectations. And be good. Be good to one another. Like to yourself. Be good to yourself, please. Like, please don't be a piece of shit. Please don't spend ten thousand dollars on a JPEG. Please don't fucking encourage others to do so. Uh Team Elmo all the way. And <laughs> like fucking... I, I guess, yeah. And given the circumstances, yeah, I'd have to say so as well. Like, Sorry and, about if I offended anyone that's a Sesame Street fan. Uh, I, I don't know my place. I should probably stick to Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have to do a deep dive into... We'll do a video essay on the Bluey series, exclusive to Press Pause Radio, at some point. Oh my god, I would love that. Holy shit. <laughs> I actually can't get... Like, don't fucking joke around, man. Like, I... <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah, talk we'll, we'll talk shop. We're doing that. We're doing that. Okay, good. Um... I think uh, uh, after we get the chance to catch up, uh, Andrew and I will also have to look into what the next episode for House Show will be, and then still kind of right. working out the logistics for uh, Panel Flip. But uh, that, again, that's all in the works. In the meantime, yeah, just be good. Please be safe. It's kind of scary right now with uh, the developments and, and increases and in escalation of... Uh, covid circumstances so like do what you can to protect one of yourselves and one another and um uh, follow wario 64 for the latest and greatest in where to find your covid 19 tests and that's all oh. i can fucking say and, and and your n95 masks apparently too yes yikes well yeah this is georgia boy's accent i'm sad again yeah this toes drink water <laughs> <All the> <laughs> And this is Ed. Said I have nothing clever. Bye. Oof. He's, he's That's our so mantra modest. for 2022. Yeah. <laughs> nothing <laughs> no, clever. Nothing clever. Bye. Bye.